Welcome back, everybody, to Movies for When. This is episode 48, I believe. We are going to be doing uh, an episode we've been wanting to do for a little while. Uh, first, I'll introduce myself. I'm Greg. This is Denny, our co-host. Denny, how are you doing, bud? I'm good, man. Yeah, I just wanted to welcome everyone to Movies for When, our uh, 48th episode. We're pretty proud of making it this far. And uh, today we're going to be doing an episode we've really been looking forward to. Benny, I already did the intro. We didn't need a second one. That never stopped any of these filmmakers. As you may have guessed, we've referenced that this episode has a theme. Yes, uh, <laughs> they all do. <laughs> this, this week we're doing movies for when we didn't need a sequel. Uh, we got a couple of twos and we've got a four, but basically we're just looking for movies that, you know, good or bad, the predecessor, the one before it, sealed the deal, we were good, story's over, we don't need to explore this any further, but we made a sequel anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about why and how it either succeeded or failed. Yay! So, I'll be honest, there was, uh, there was more positive this week than I expected, like in my reaction to our movies, uh, with one notable exception. Uh, but, um, more on that later. Yeah, honestly, for, for like, I, I would have thought that like by the nature of the episode, we'd be getting some, some duds. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, for most of these, actually, uh, we may not have needed a sequel, but it actually turned out okay. These are actually some of the better sequels I've ever seen. If I, you know, like if I had to be honest. Um. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's like that was kind of my mindset going into it. Is like I don't think these are going to be the worst by any means. Um, and two thirds of the time, I was right. You know, I think it all averages <laughs> out to being somewhere in the middle. Yeah, Toy Story but, Four disappointed us all. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> obviously what I'm referring to. But yeah, our our movies this week are... It's a sequel to one of last week's movies, and I'm going to apologize for my takes later, but American Psycho 2, <laughs> colon, All-American Girl. Uh, I was a little harsh on the original last week, and we'll talk about why. <laughs> um, I've never seen you in such a bad mood. And the entire time that I've known you is when we were talking about American Psycho. You should have seen me watching it. All right. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused with American Psycho 2, we've just got Psycho 2. No relation. Unintentional 2. We didn't play it Not related this way. to e each other. Yeah. We just. The titles, you know, they line up. But this one also takes place in America, so. Uh, there is actually, like. On, on the subject of no relation, there is Norman Batesman. <laughs> well, there's a there's a pretty cool uh, incest porn between these two movies where one gets stuck in the DVD player, um, and even though, but they're not in the same franchise, so it's okay, but it is taboo. And that's what's I'm so stopped. cool about. It. <laughs> Help me, step sequel. I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've derailed you twice already. What's our grab my. Grab my mid-DVD hole and pull. Um, <laughs> that's the problem with derailing me, is I'll just jump on your train. I know. This is a, go along for the ride. This is a podcast right, movie. where we segue each other into each other constantly. We're just going in circles around the block. Um, yeah, movie number three is Toy Story 4, I believe Denny already mentioned. Yeah! Um, 
more on that later. Probably the least necessary of all these sequels. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 start with Psycho Two, regular Psycho. Yeah. Plain, just plain Psycho Two. But first, uh, Denny, was there anything else you watched this past week since we last? saw each other um yeah i saw uh i, I saw two alamo draft house flicks which was very enjoyable um the bob's burgers movie which was really solid you know like it was uh honestly about as good as i was expecting it's like a really long good episode of bob's burgers uh didn't quite uh well like i don't know like my thoughts on it are that like the spirit of the show, which is like they press a big reset button at the end of every episode and not much really matters in the long term. Um, and because of that, you can be like really lighthearted while you're having your little adventures. Um, but uh, I think that works better for 22 minutes than 90. You know, like I thought that was kind of a weakness of the okay. movie that it was like, if I'm going to watch it for that long, I kind of want something to care about. But um, and also, I didn't realize how weird the show would feel without ukulele bumpers every act break. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just didn't yeah, feel you, right. You texted me that, I was like, oh shit, yeah, they didn't do that. And I just immediately heard in my head, beep, 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 boom. <laughs> yep. um, I was like, that needed that. But we got shadows. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also saw Crimes of the Future at the Alamo Drafthouse, the new David Cronenberg movie starring Viggo Mortensen and Kristen Stewart and some other people that are cool. And it was mm -hmm. it was okay. Um, there was a lot of things I really liked about it. Uh, it. I thought it was a really cool futuristic dystopian type of movie. Didn't really blow my mind and is definitely not going to be everyone's thing. But this is the most Cronenberg movie I've that's ever Cronenberg. The whole thing just it's got david nice. cronenberg's fingerprints all over it um and that's either good or bad depending on who you are <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah i also uh, i finished stranger things 4 or at least this installment until they drop the last two and i thought it was actually pretty good on the whole um okay it, it, like don't get me wrong i could make a million critiques but at the end of the day, there was some pretty strong material that covered for a lot of flaws in my mind. Um, I, I'm 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 back on the Stranger Things train. Not uh, okay. Not as much as I once was, but I'm. Well, yeah. I used to drive it. Now I'm just a passenger. Yeah, yeah. When when season five comes out and all these kids are in their forties, uh, we'll see how you feel then. Uh, <laughs> and I, all the episodes are four hours long. <laughs> I also uh, caught up on Barry, and uh, and I'm almost caught up on what we do in the shadows. It's been a TV catch-up week. No, that's good. Uh, we just watched the first episode of season two of Barry. Nice. I I've seen the first two seasons. My wife hasn't, so I got to get her caught up before we move on to season three. Speaking of season three, <laughs> uh, the boys season three. Oh, I haven't I've... started it yet. <laughs> uh it's awesome it's it's great i love that show uh for those of you that have seen it this isn't a spoiler for denny just uh be careful where you sneeze if you've seen it you get it if you haven't you'll see it's also just a good rule for life like that's not a spoiler that's just you know that's that's good advice you'll see <laughs> all right <laughs> Uh, the other, the only other thing I watched, I didn't have a lot of time this week. I watch, well, I had to watch it for, in preparation for one of these movies, I had to watch, excuse you, I had to watch Psycho 1. Yeah. Because in order to see Psycho 2, I needed to see Psycho 1, and I'd never seen it. And 
Holy shit, what a good movie. Yeah. Wanna guess what score I gave it? Uh, 39. 38. Oh shit, I was close, I was close. You were close, yeah, I, I rated it very, very high. I, I thought it was amazing. It's a 49 out of 50 for me. It's it's really, really good. I yeah, love that basically movie. the same neighborhood. It's a, it's a good prequel about Rich from Pottery Class and Community. So. Yes! We had a great in-depth discussion about that. <laughs> Yo, this show's actually really deep. It is, though. Norman Rich Bates. Alright, um, now that we've got Psycho 1 out of the way... Alfred Hitchcock classic. Let's go to Psycho 2. A uh, another guy less than classic. There, there's someone. It's not the director. Um, there's someone on the staff that's named like Albert Hamcrock. You know, <laughs> like oh like, yeah, who was oh, it? I thought I can't remember who it was, but. I I thought you were about to say the screenwriter's name, Tom Holland. Yeah. Spider Spider Man himself wrote this movie about twelve years before he was born. He wrote a, uh, that the other Tom Holland wrote something else we did on this show. Um, oh no way! Oh wait, no, he wrote a Child's Play and Fright Night. That's where I know him from. Um, his mo- his mom's in his head, Mister Stark. Yeah. Uh, He's actually a pretty accomplished screenwriter, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, he wrote Psycho too. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta find. I gotta find what the uh, what the guy's name was. It was like so silly. Um, yeah, it 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 showed up, and I was like, hmm, that's a little too close, but not enough to be confused, just enough for me to notice it. Um, but yeah, this was Denny's pick, and as soon as he figures out what's on the tip of his brain, he's gonna summarize the plot for us. Um, I will say, while he's finding that though, Psycho Two is a 1983 film came out 22 years after the original you can find it on amazon prime but i believe it has to be a rental i wasn't able to find it um anywhere else i actually tried to get it at movie trading co and even they didn't have it yeah i it's it's something that i didn't realize had a sequel and then i was on like the imdb page and it's like you should also check out psycho 3 and psycho 4 and i was (laughs) i guess that's my relationship with this movie is i didn't know there were sequels to the movie i had seen but i knew was a classic yeah yeah like i knew all about the original like but well not all about it i knew it about its existence that alfred hitchcock made and everything but all i knew was shower curtain knife violins go re 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 like that's all i knew about it i didn't know much anything else that was actually so. my same thing and there is so much more like that's and like the placement of that event in the film accidentally works as a twist you know because like yeah. you expect it to be the it's, climax and then it happens and there's like an hour left in the movie it's like the jason Voorhees twist in the first uh friday the 13th for those that like hadn't seen it and like you know, we're born way after the movies were coming out. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, this is where we meet Jason Voorhees. And you're like, eh. Nope. Not quite. It serves as a twi- a retroactive twist that was totally not intentional. Yeah, based on expectations. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, synopsis of Psycho 2. Um, Norman Bates has been successfully rehabilitated. Um, and he's getting out of jail. And that doesn't make this woman named Lila none too pleased. Now does it? Um, like we no, no, no. like we do with all uh, psychotic serial killers, 
Um, we just kind of let him go back home and trust that it'll be fine. <laughs> and every and so often just check in on him. And, and then we never, ever assume that <laughs> patterns will ever be repeated. So help me God. <laughs> um, and then uh, Norman Bates is basically trying to be a reformed man. He has a job at a diner. Um, he's trying to run his motel right and proper. Uh, but you see, like, the, the seeds of Mother's influence because he, like, still hates, like, smut. And um, he also takes in a young woman who works with him at the hotel to live at his place. Um, and all of a sudden, Norman starts getting some notes from his dead mother and some mysterious uh -oh. phone calls from his dead mother around the time uh, more people start dying in and around his house. Um, it's all kind of suspicious. <laughs> There's a lot of will they, won't they mystery. Um, and then we come to find out that this, uh, this Lila woman is the mother of the young woman who moved in with him and they are trying to get him more psychotic because he killed someone that they like and they want him to kill someone else so he'll go back to jail um and yeah, there it was it was like mary is the girl that moves in i believe it's her aunt so her mother's sister yeah like norman bates killed her sister so she's trying to like prove that he's still insane getting, yeah get him thrown back in jail by doing phone calls and fun little pranks like dressing up as his mom to like trigger his you know psych psychotic yep. break stuff whatever and then they sorry to interrupt they get in a fight she kills her norman starts talking about how his real mother is alive um and then uh long story short the cops kill uh mary um <laughs> when she's dressed up as norman's mom norman's <laughs> totally acquitted um and goes back to his house where his real mother comes in and apparently she was uh his biological mom who also worked at the diner uh and uh just wanted to uh rekindle her relationship with him and then norman promptly kills her and uh drags her up to his mother's bedroom so what a wild ride yeah Honestly, it's a lot better than I made it sound. It's just very convoluted. Yeah, it's, it isn't bad. It is very convoluted, though, yeah. like you were saying. Um, you got a relationship I thought, with this boy? Oh, yeah, I already gave oh, it okay, while you were yeah. looking I mean, for the thing you never found. Oh, sorry, I was focused on that. Anyway, mine's, <laughs> uh, mine's probably pretty much the same. I love Psycho, had never seen this, assumed that it would probably really suck. Um, and then it didn't really suck, so that was cool. I was... Well, I didn't, I didn't know it existed, so I was expecting it to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be exactly that. I thought it was better uh, than it, okay. I actually really liked it. Yeah, it, it was fine. I was never bored. Yeah. It was like, you know, the first one, just this really fun psychological thriller. And this one is trying to, like, throw in some slasher elements. Yeah. And then... and. You know, you're just like, oh, it's just trying to do what's popular at the time, kind of. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't do those things poorly. I thought they, it did the slasher stuff really well and uh, sparingly enough that it mattered. You know, like, it didn't really feel like a gimmick. It felt more like an evolution. Right, exactly. Um, like, for example, you mentioned that Mrs. Loomis, so Mary's mom, the one that's doing all these fun little uh, social experiments, I mean, pranks, to... <laughs> Uh, she gets killed by 
someone dressed as mother it's norman and like that scene i was like i i want to dislike it because it's like a slasher movie in the middle of my psychological thriller mm -hmm. but then like the scene's pretty damn good yeah <laughs> like we've got this super bright single light bulb that you know she pulls the switch on it because she's in a basement yeah. and it's just like swinging and like changing the lighting in the room and she gets like stabbed like through the that mouth badass the knife comes out the back of her head you're like oh shit that was actually pretty crazy yeah yeah i was uh i was taken aback by how good that looked and how just like jarring it was um mm -hmm. yeah man that was a great effect <laughs> definitely like a little cheesy but like still great yeah uh not as cheesy as the sexually active teenagers sneaking into the cellar to smoke pot and hook up yeah <laughs> I was like, oh, we're leaning into the slasher thing. <laughs> I mean, they named a character Loomis. That's an iconic uh, Halloween franchise character. So <laughs> I, I couldn't get that out of my head the whole time. I know what you're doing. I know what you're referencing. <laughs> Dude, um, one thing I will say, I feel like Anthony Perkins, so he's the actor that plays Norman Bates. I thought he was, his performance in the first movie was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yes. I thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And in this one, you know, he's reprising the same role. I'm glad they got the same guy, of course. But it, it seems a little rougher. It, it doesn't seem, like, as high quality. I think it's just, like, he's given a little bit less. And he's kind of just being put up to be, like, the slasher villain, yeah. kind of. I feel like we're getting too much of him. And he's not really the guy for that. He, he's perfect for the guy we check in on and like start getting clues yes. that he's crazy but when we're spending like a huge amount of time focused either on him or just him with another person he has to carry a little bit too much it's and it's a two hour movie and he's in almost every scene um mm -hmm. it never bothered me i don't it, it's it's not the same it, he didn't do bad but it wasn't nearly up to yeah. it's not the same magic right like it, right. it's not the same magic as as his performance in the first psycho um and but i also think it's because he's playing a very different norman bates in this movie um mm -hmm. this is a rehabilitated a rehabilitated movie. one and like i was amazed because like honestly as the movie was starting out i really wasn't sure if I was supposed to be rooting for him or not, like they, you know, they kind of like <laughs> give you some time yeah. to, to acclimate to him and, and see how things are playing out. Um, and I, it was one of the first things I noticed that as he was like trying to resist his impulses, I was like, man, they've really got me rooting for Norman to become a, re a reformed man. You know, like I really want him to, to be able to pull it off. Um, it, it, I thought it was, it was much more endearing instead of off putting, um and that that's just it was it was a character in a very different place but i think that's also one of the biggest strengths of the movie and why i'm like honestly for an all-time classic movie that ended with someone explaining the whole movie so there was no confusion about what happened and mm -hmm. every loop was closed um i could not <laughs> see how they could possibly make a sequel to that which is why i picked it and I was like, it actually justified its own existence by going in a very different direction. Um, they didn't just rehash the first Psycho. They 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 told a new story yeah. with the with old characters and an old premise. And I, I really, I really respected that. It, it's something that I, yeah. I loved about the movie. Yeah, you've got the same actor. You've got like all the same sets and everything. 
and even though it's 22 it feels like it's 22 years later like the house looks more dusty motel's a little more run down yeah. that kind of thing like it just you know the screen's more colorful. that's <laughs> ah, <laughs> significantly more colorful uh <laughs> yeah him painting it the motel yellow wouldn't have flown in the first movie it's just like what's he doing it's the same shit yeah <laughs> It's in black and white for those that don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it, like you were saying, it's just, that's the right way to do a sequel, especially after this much time has passed. Yeah. Not rehashing the first one, but creating a new kind of story with a new take and perspective on our former main character, villain, whatever you want yeah. to call him. I also appreciate that they didn't try to be super controversial and salacious, because that's also something that the first movie was known for. Um, and I think, I just think it was, it would, it would have been really low hanging fruit to try to do some like real shocking stuff that would grab headlines they didn't, they just tried to make a good movie. And for the most part, they did a really good job at that. I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get into a couple more notes here. Uh, <laughs> Norman is, <laughs> have you ever like gone to a store and it's like, you're not stealing, obviously, but, like, the, you know, loss prevention guy, the security guy is, like, looking at you, so you gotta, like, yes. make it more obvious that you're not doing anything wrong, yes. so you act a little bit more, you inadvertently just act more suspicious. Norman does that quite a bit. Yes, he's a <laughs> like, shady-looking character. He's just so bad at explaining... <laughs> the truth yes <laughs> and he like, like lies when he doesn't have to sometimes panting and sweating just like i officer officer i uh, oh i was um i know how this looks <laughs> just like just say you were over there all you have to do is like no i was at work yep that's all you gotta do <laughs> he's it's weird that like the police and the hospital seem to be so on his side because he is so fucking suspicious. <laughs> like, and like people are dying in his house, you know, like, and it's, you don't understand officer. All these kids just came into our property and started killing themselves all over. The yep. <laughs> uh, more on that later. But yeah, man, like it, it is one of those super weird things where just like all the cops all the authority figures in this movie are just super about him and like defending him like very very aggressively defending him like leave him alone he would never do anything wrong yeah. stop it. you just stay out of his hair like he killed seven people yeah <laughs> like you're old enough to remember that happening like the sheriff probably arrested him yeah he's like nah he's good now he's totally chill yeah, because you know how, like, small-town law enforcement is, like, a really big this fan of fault. mental health rehabilitation. <laughs> Instead of just locking someone away forever. That's you know right. how much they love and support that? Actually, this is your fault, young lady, because I know that you're making prank phone calls. <laughs> Why don't you just get out of town? Get! Uh, Go on, get! Uh, what, what did you think of the other mother plotline? I've, ooh, uh, two things. I have a note here about 45 minutes in, I put the note in that I said, I feel like we were about to get a really bad twist. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of right. I don't think it was a really bad twist. It, it's just, I feel like the movie ended 
then we get a scene that's kind of a twist on our perception of the whole thing and then that also gets flipped on its head yeah. like it's very we spend like an hour 40 going through this whole story and then the last five six minutes give us two different flips yeah really quick i feel like that that ending scene where he discovers like mrs bates was actually his mother's sister so actually his aunt because you know he's saying the whole movie like no no my real mother is on the phone with me my real mother is leaving me these notes so we find out that mrs bates wasn't actually his real mother it was the woman that actually hired him at the diner and you know that's kind of a fast flip because it happens in the last five minutes and it just kind of like I don't know, kind of changes the first two movies. It's the only thing that happens that changes the events of both movies. Yeah. Which I don't super love, but, you know, I can let it go. And then he kills her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the voice in his head, it, who is his real, actual, super real mother that he's referring to, is like, you had to do it. I'm the one that loves you. I'm your mother. So it's like, we get the same twist twice, kind of, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it was it was something I wasn't 100% on, but I didn't think it, like, ruined the movie. Because um, something I, I did like was that, like, you know, a, a good twist is something where they get you asking the wrong questions. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they had you asking, um, is, is it uh, Mary and Lila fucking with him, or is he really going crazy again? And the answer was both. He is going crazy again, and they're mm -hmm. fucking with him. Um, and also this third thing, though. Yeah, yeah. The, like, there really yeah. was a real mother. Um, and, which apparently, poor Norman was very susceptible to, like, someone calling him on the phone and saying, I'm your mother with absolutely no proof. Um, but, <laughs> um, I'll do whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe that was, like, the way... Actually, no, that is how... Uh, that is how Mary got him to listen to her. One time she just started going, I am your mother, do what I say. And he's apparently... Like, All right. <laughs> like, what if, like, they, they had the cop put on the wig and say, Norman, I'm your mother. No more killing people. It stops now. Like, did, it, did anyone like, think to try that? Like, he clearly would do anything that someone claiming to be his mother said. It's, uh, this happened in an episode of King of the Hill. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh. Uh, Bill, I'm I'm Lenore. I don't love you anymore. You need to move on. <laughs> Lenore called no, no. me and said uh, she doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> oh, nice. I didn't know I had a, a half-assed. Oh, you got a you got a good Stephen Root. Nice. That's good. Um, yeah, no, but the the reveal was a little bit of a hat on a hat, but yes, yes, it also worked and 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 gave us a pretty cool final scene. You know, like ah, uh, oh, Greg just put a hat on a headset on a hat. That's a triple. Oh. Triples makes it safe. Way to go, Greg. Um, <laughs> but uh, triples of the Barracuda. I, I still liked it. I, I think I could have used one more hint. Like give give her something yes. something else to do in the movie. Um, so because like we literally just saw her like in like the one scene at the very beginning, and so it came across as very. It, it's something I always say about stupid twist. It's like. It was the guy who served them coffee at the beginning. And it's like, that's not a twist. That's just doing something that makes no sense. Um, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, so I think it would have worked a lot better 
if they gave her more to do in the movie. Because uh, yeah. she was just, like, kind of there in the beginning, and we never saw her or talked about her again. And then to the point that, like, when she showed up at the end, I was like, is that the restaurant woman? Okay, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. I, I, who else could it be? But, like, I didn't even, yeah. like, immediately recognize her, you know? No, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, just throwing somebody in at the beginning for the sole purpose of having them there at the end as a surprise is kind of a weak way to do a twist. So. It's the weakest way to do a twist. <laughs> like, without a doubt. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, the scene where she was killed, I thought, was done very well. Because yes. it's shot from, like, above and, like, there's no music. Like, he officer a sandwich and then like hits her with a shovel and you're you're not you're not expecting him to harm her in any yeah. way and then you get this really great above shot like i, I think the whole thing looks really cool yeah no. um yeah let's dive into a couple more notes one throwaway here is this where the term ghost note came from <laughs> uh, probably you can you can take our lives, our memories, but you can never take our toasted cheese sandwiches. Dude, okay, that was the moment you knew that man was a fucking serial killer sociopath. It was the, like, it was Get Out's, like, dipping Fruit Loops in milk. It's like, no one calls a grilled cheese a toasted cheese sandwich. That is, like, crazy people shit. That is a man who is unhinged calling it a toasted cheese sandwich. Yeah, I think Jordan Peele's back on the get out thing i think jordan peele's explanation of that like there's no deeper meaning she's just he was just like nah i just wanted her to do something weird <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> yeah i just had her putting uh fruit loops and milk and we called it a day and, hey it works it worked it's one of the most new jordan peele movie nope in theaters july 22nd. that looks so good to, to further the jordan peele sidebar i'm really excited about that one I'm so excited. Yeah. Alamo has a... No, no. <laughs> Alamo, who's not sponsoring yeah. us, but should, they have tickets uh, available now. Say and yeah. And they're going to have a special... Say yeah. They're going to have a special menu for it, and someone on Twitter said, horse burgers? <laughs> 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 they responded and said, absolutely not. <laughs> I would eat some so. mutton at Alamo. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere else. I eat a lot of things at Alamo, Greg. Horses? Fried chicken sandwiches, Bob's Burgers. Ah, okay, good. Pickle fries. I eat a lot of things at Alamo. And again, they and don't have. sponsor us. We simp them. It's the reverse. <laughs> yeah. We'll pump their tires. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, are we Are we kind of winding down on this one? Do you have anything else? There's one really significant moment of terror I wanted to discuss, and it's because of a specific phobia I have. Um... I am like a hundred answering phone calls. Oh, no, that. Oh, that's me. Sorry, <laughs> that, me too. I'm not afraid of it. I just fucking hate it. Like Jesus Christ, talking on the phone. <laughs> Who can do that? Um, <laughs> some torture. Um, no, I am a legitimately phobic of sprouting potatoes. Um, oh yeah. When the, when the kid is in the basement and just like out of nowhere just pulls out the most sprouted fucked up looking potato i've seen in my entire fucking life oh my god i wanted to fucking puke like it was a grotesque looking potato and by yeah. the way as someone who did one time really upset his roommates by leaving a sack of potatoes in the pantry over summer break um 
Nice. A 20-year-old potato would not be super sprouted. It would be like an absolutely rancid-smelling pile of mush. So um, <laughs> stick that in your sprout and grow it. Yeah. Your vegetables should <laughs> still be growing, okay? There's something off-putting about that and, like, uh -huh. growing alien trees out of them. It's so... Oh, it would have oh. become... It would have become the thing from the original to <laughs> <laughs> the fucking carrot monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little winged potato monster. Life better not uh, find a way this time. Always burn your sprouting potatoes and listen to their screams as they die. You put these potatoes in your cell and they're sprouting it. They're sp sprouting it. Oh, <sighs> talk about something else. I'm like, this is no joke. I haven't thought about sprouting potatoes in a long time, but I am like writhing over here. I've got the heebie-jeebies. They, they make me so hey, uncomfortable. Man. You brought it up. I know. Uh, yeah. Imagine following up one of the most iconic thrillers ever made with the same ending as Night Screams. <laughs> That's not the only Night Screams reference we're getting this episode. Okay, good. I also did not realize it was pretty much the same exact ending. I never thought about that. Dude, I, I, I caught it right away. Where it's just like, you know, as we've all seen Night Screams, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, the, hardcores of movies for when will have seen we, it. We, we find out who the real villain is, and then the victim is being assaulted by them, and then the police bust in and shoot the victim and save the actual villain. <laughs> I just had the thought that I was like, I'll bet not one single person watched Night Screams because we covered it. Like, there's no way someone was like, hold on, I gotta see this thing they're talking about. Yeah, if you if you watch Night Screams because we told you not to, and you did it anyways, please let us know. I mean, the the live show at Alamo was like small beans compared to the goal of like we always say every week before we go on the air, if one person watches Night Screams, it'll all be worth it, and that's why we do what we do. Best friends forever. One two three. One two three. Record. That's our pre-show ritual. Literally, we do. It hey, every you're not supposed to tell. Them. That's a peek <laughs> behind the curtain. <laughs> They're not supposed to have. Uh, all right. Uh, you ready to give me a good Yeah, up, my I, guy? I'm ready. I didn't have a ton of notes about this movie. I just thought it was generally pretty good, you know? So. All right, cool. What it, what's our gimmick this week? What did we call it? I remember the concept, but I don't remember the name. Excuse my reach <laughs> for purpose. <laughs> Denny, how would, you, how would you describe this week's gimmick, which is the gimmick of the week? Um... It's, it's a time when the, the sequel tries to justify its existence uh, and therefore confesses that it knows it's unnecessary, right? Like, it, it's a confession that um, its existence needs justification. So they're reaching for purpose that's not naturally there and uh, reaching is bad manners. So that's why we say, excuse my reach for purpose. Oh, that's right. Um, Pardon my reach. So... My uh, excuse my reach for purpose moment was simply uh, letting a serial killer out of hospitalization, no questions asked. Um, it was like, honestly, the rest of the movie was, was I, I didn't feel like it required a lot of uh, annoying conceptual leaps in order to just like fill the time. Uh, but the, the premise of like why this would be happening again at the exact same location, they were just like, all right, everyone first five minutes of the movie we're gonna ask you to eat a horse pill and then it's gonna be over okay um mm -hmm. all right here we go and they got it out of the way um <laughs> what was uh what was yours 
I honestly didn't have one until just now because I, I could not think of one for this one. But I'm going to go with kind of a uh, extension of yours and say, you know, they, they let him out, no questions asked. I'm going to go with the shutting down of any and all questions. Yeah. <laughs> They're not taking questions. Yeah. Like, no, we let him out. That's final. Don't fucking ask. This community of like Stop. a couple thousand people, they're like, we do not feel the need to explain why we have released a known convicted serial killer uh, out into the public in this very tight-knit group of civilians. And we are bothered by your questions about We don't owe you a fucking explanation that the cop and the judge just high-five. Uh, <laughs> he's out. Get over it. <laughs> Move on, people. I'm sure your boyfriend's super dead, but, you know, well, let's just wait and see if he comes back home tonight, okay? Don't follow up on him. Oh, man. Um, what is your favorite line, Greg? My favorite line, I didn't have one until the very end because I kind of forgot to think of one. I was kind of, you know, just along for the ride. Uh, but at the end, the voiceover of the actual mom that's in norman's head saying remember more remember norman only your mother truly loves yeah, you yeah that was good yeah yeah i i really liked her monologue at the end um of both movies oh yeah for sure i, I actually yeah. didn't like the monologue at the end of the first movie and it's why it's i think why it gets a 49 instead of a 50 from me i think i only liked it because i was like oh this is where community got it from yeah. <laughs> Oh wait, sorry. No, I'm thinking the the guy we've never met explaining the crime. That monologue. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the mom monologue. Fine. No, that's the, great. That's the mom. Monologue the federal agent explaining everything that just happened. I was gonna say, but I didn't earlier. Yeah. Like that's why I think I knocked the first one back maybe a point. Well, do you know why it's in the movie? Because audiences back in the '60s were too dumb to follow along that's usually why and it's something i usually hate about people. the noir genre which is a, a, a genre i love but i'm like god uh, do they people are dumb now do they have to explain it? well they couldn't rewatch. that's why they did it but specifically in psycho oh nice uh either by like the studio or by the fcc they were required to the to insert the scene so they could be like listen everyone he thought he was his mother he is not gay at all and not dressing as a woman for sexual pleasure or gender mm -hmm. dysphoria related reasons that did not happen in this movie there was a very clear-cut scenario of a psychotic man who thought he was his mother so it's like they didn't even want to put it in the movie like they had to do it um but that's just stupid shit yeah yeah, we gotta we gotta protect our kids from people that wear from men that wear women's clothes. And I'm here to introduce a new bill in 2022 for Texas. Oh, somebody already did that! Yay! This isn't a political show. All right, this is uh, a feelings podcast, and we this feel is a feelings th podcast. Annoyed. Sucks. <laughs> That's a community. I write we what feel I feel, tired. and I feel that you suck. I feel exhausted. <laughs> yes. Uh, Denny, what's your rating for this one? Oh, guy? wait, I didn't get my favorite line. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, what's your favorite good. line? I, I'm, it's up for debate. Um, I I was a really That's big fan of Norman Bates's It's Starting Again. Um, mm -hmm. And I also liked when he weirdly said to Mary, I forgot to bring cutlery. <laughs> like, he just like, said it's so weird. 
Um, but I'm going to go with the hotel owner yelling at him because it was just such like a poorly structured string of sentences. At least my customers have a good time. What did your customers get? Murdered by you, you loony! <laughs> <laughs> it was just no, so... that's perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad we brought him up, dude. <laughs> he, was, he was a character, that guy. Oh man, to a T. That was a character. <laughs> I uh, I rated murdered by you, <laughs> you, you loony! <laughs> Got his ass. What did your customers get? <laughs> murdered by you. Uh, what's what's the critic or score, Gregoru? Uh, I gave this one somewhere in the middle. I, I feel like a little bad about rating this. I think this might have ran a little bit too long, and kind of the ending kind of threw it yeah. off, and it didn't. Again, it didn't need to be made. We we didn't really talk about the necessity of it existing, and uh, yeah, it didn't need to. So twenty two out of forty. Nice. Um, yeah, that seems a little stiff. I think you're going to think mine's a little high. Um, but I, 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 I felt it really was appropriate. Um, I, I gave it a 40 out of 50. Um, oh, damn. Which All is right. a place I put another kind of controversial uh, horror movie sequel, Halloween 2. I actually think it's really good. Um, and I thought this was about on that level. Uh, so mm -hmm. that, that's, you know, that's an A minus for me. And I think this fits, you know, it's not really like fantastic. You need to see it and stop the world and watch it. But when you do watch it, like it's, it's really good, honestly, especially like for what it is, like a legacy sequel to an all time classic that no one asked for. Um, I thought it overachieved. Yeah. So I gave it some bonus points for uh, being worth a shit, despite being a legacy sequel. It, it bumped it up a little bit yeah. for me. One of the early legacy sequels. Yee. You got a seamless editing. Gross. <laughs> That's what you named it. That's and we're back. <laughs> Kaching. Uh, all right. Before I in instead of introducing the next movie, I just want to summarize the plot for us, if that's okay, sure. Danny. Uh, all right. Our next film is a it's a complex film about a society of immortal beings bound by a code of loyalty slaves to an ever-rotating dominion of adolescent taskmasters the unwanted and rejected members of this immortal society are seen as lesser than solely because they do not have masters this subservient society would gladly have their own limbs torn off if it meant wearing the brand of their masters on their feet Freedom is for the undesirables, Denny. Unfaltering fealty is the expectation. <laughs> Reckless abandon of self is the cost. Now, in this movie, our protagonist rekindles what he thought was a lost love and must now choose between his new master, who does not love him as his old master once did, or convert to a dangerous life of free will abandoning his old friends in the process while pushing new friends that he meets along the way into the lusted after life without self-sovereignty i am of course talking about toy story 4 which you can watch on disney plus is that a accurate summary of 
Toy Story 4? Um, I, 2019's Disney? Unfortunately, Pixar? it was way Puffer. too accurate. Um, I, I had a, a more concise summary, which is the central narrative of Toy Story 4 is the central narrative, or sorry, the central narrative question is the central narrative question of life being what kind of fucked up God would create this universe? Like, holy shit. Like, this one... It just stood out so much more, and it's maybe it's because we get outside of Andy's room, or, you know, like, it just stood mm-hmm. out so much more what a, like, dark, fucked-up world Pixar has created. <laughs> like, the, the, like just, just the implication of it all. A thankless life that you cannot... <laughs> the ones you are serving, you are bound by this impe- unimpeachable code that you cannot... Let them know you exist and have life and sentience. Real nice guys, you know. You got a friend in me. Yeah, this is our second movie. So we've done two movies in a row about finding your inner voice. Uh, Psycho 2 and Toy Story 4. Yes. You know, or the, yeah, Toy Story 4 is all about finding your inner voice and seeing where your conscience gets you. Psycho 2 was about finding your inner voice and killing people that would offend your imaginary mother. <laughs> Two very similar films. <laughs> Thematically yeah. tracking. Thematically tracking this episode. It's like, it's just, it's like, it flows, man. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Uh, <laughs> but we don't talk about Star Wars. Uh, oh, no, we don't. So... This movie was suggested to us by Michael Lawson. Yeah. This was a suggestion so perfect that we didn't do a poll. Thanks, Michael Lawson. Thank you, Michael Lawson. This just became our pick. Yeah. It was, we, we hadn't thought about it at all when we discussed poll options. And then, like, when he said it, I was like, that is the most it. perfect unnecessary sequel. Because, like, it's a sequel to an unnecessary sequel that like that against all odds was at least on par if not better than the original movie um and wrapped everything up so powerfully and movingly perfectly yeah that it was like when i saw that this movie was getting made i was like god damn it disney don't get greedy like god you got away with it you got away with it. You're not gonna get away with it twice. You know, like what are you doing? I can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> yeah, nine nine years after, like we've made a trilogy, right? Like the trilogy just gets closed, like iron tight. We've got everything is just perfectly closed off, and we're just sent off, and it's just like, okay, this is the lives of these toys now. They're in this new world, and we just know they're gonna figure it out. Yep. Let's explore that, they said. Uh, Denny, I do believe I've cracked the code, though. What? You're on your laptop, right? Yes. Uh, above the letters, you've got that row of numbers. Yes. Uh, look at the them. number four. Oh, my God. <laughs> what else do you see? A dollar sign. A dollar sign, baby. <laughs> that is why this sequel was made. Uh, but, yeah, this... Man, I, I saw... This is crazy, man. Like, I'll, I'll do relationships yeah, now yeah. with the whole series. I I have a very vague memory of seeing the first one in theaters back in 95. I must have been, like, almost five, like, still four. But, like, I remember seeing the first one in theaters. 
and then like I saw the second one a bunch, you know, had it all had those two on VHS as, as a kid. And then Toy Story 3 came out, I want to say I was maybe 19 or so, mm-hmm. and I saw it with some friends in a theater. And like thematically everything tracked, you know, where Andy is in Toy Story 3, Andy is like going to college and you know the first two movies were kind of growing up with andy in a sense and like we've got new toys introduced and we're like each movie kind of flirts more and more with like the human world and like kind of close calls of like getting found out or whatever and like the audience that grew up with this with uh andy is just given this perfect little bow of like wrapping things up and moving on and like that all happened like after i had already been to a call been to college for a year but like i was still like connected to andy in that at that time and i feel like this movie doesn't really bridge the gap between like the people that grew up with it and like had that like felt that arc in like their own lives and like the kids that are you know kids that were kids when this movie came out of course they're just watching it for the cartoon characters and they don't really like it just seems like the two the the trilogy and then this movie aren't really bridged very well yeah the main characters feel out of place i 100 percent agree and like I, i think that was another reason why I was like, don't make another one because, um, I think most, most millennials had the same experience you did. That's pretty much identically my experience. Like saw one Mm -hmm. as a kid, got really into buzz and Woody. Um, one time I got my mom to get me like this, like reverse color palette, super cool Chrome and red buzz Lightyear toy from the Disney store. But but it it was expensive. So I had to like, work for it it wasn't like a we'll just pick this up while i run errands thing you know like and mm-hmm. i had to i had to do some some extra chores and whatnot to get it and i just i still i thought it was so damn cool um and uh was super into it thought toy story 2 was mid and then had the same exact timeline of uh not really asking for a third one but crying because i related so hard and felt like i grew up with andy um mm-hmm. and that's why i was like you had this like really rare really cool thing where like the this franchise followed a generation of kids from childhood to adulthood and like taught us things the whole time um you know like and maybe (laughs) taught us a little too much because like this did a number on me i felt guilty about like giving up toys for a garage sale or something like i just like it really Mm -hmm. instilled this idea that they had feelings (laughs) and wanted to stay with me I think I understand now why the room you're currently in is the way that it is. Oh, big time. Like, I, like I, I'll <laughs> still have it when I'm like, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to cut this toy from the display and sell it on eBay. And there's, like, a little part of me that's like, no, you You'll can't. hurt his feelings. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, maybe a not-so-little part of me, if I'm being honest. Because I remember, like... When I was a kid, uh, and, you know, as someone who's an adult toy collector, it should not surprise you that as a childhood, I had a very uh, vivid and vibrant relationship with my toys and attachments to them. I Mm. remember being in my room alone and looking at my toys and literally saying out loud, I was like, guys, it's me. You, like, I'm not going to tell on you. I already know. I saw the movie. 
you can just show me that you're alive and we can kind of have a cool thing going where I'm the only kid that knows the toys are alive. Uh, like, like, legitimately expected them to start moving and they never did. Um, all that goes to say, I thought, like, Toy Story 1 and 3, like, 2's mid, but, like, 1 and 3 were so perfect that I had, like, no interest in seeing Toy Story 4. I was, like, lame, bored, couldn't give less of a shit about this, <laughs> do not care about that stupid fork thing I keep seeing everywhere, um, and uh, a good friend, uh, Matthew Steppen, oh my god, you have him, holy shit, not Matt, the fork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trash. <laughs> um, my, I don't care if Buster voices him. Okay, Greg he's has on a his Forky way. Funko Pop. Um, no, but uh, Forky, get out of here. We're doing a podcast. Matt, Matt Steppen, I'm going to tag you in this post uh, because you've been telling me for years you wanted me to watch this so we could talk about it, and I was like, Oh, is this your first time seeing yeah, Toy Story Four? First time ever oh, seeing okay. it. Because I, I was like, I'll see it one day, but like, I just don't feel like it. So now I finally seen it and was really, really surprised. Like, I was even going in with, like, my hackles up, like, looking for things to shit on, like, very ready to not like the movie. Uh -huh. And I was like, son of a bitch, it's actually pretty damn good. Like, not not amazing, okay. like, lots of problems. All in all, I was, I was pretty happy with it. I was very surprised at, at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you liked it, man. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Um, I was, I guess, a little surprised, too. I felt like pretty disconnected from it i was i've only seen three like the one time in theaters oh, okay and i haven't seen it since um i feel like it just introduced way too much stuff i like i liked two a lot honestly i think i like two a lot more than you well, obviously yeah uh, i don't hate it but I yeah like i i felt the same or similar about three and four but you know they <laughs> Disney disagreed because I think Toy Story 3 had like a 200 million dollar budget and then it made a billion dollars and then Toy Story 4 had a 200 million dollar budget and it made a billion dollars before Toy Soils so <laughs> good lord and as someone who just held up a toy from it you would know that they, they sold some of those right well I got it for a dollar let's, let's be fair yeah. <laughs> I bought that for a dollar but yeah, man, like, it's... That's the other thing, too, is just, like, you realize, like... You know, Toy Story 1 and 2, very success, successful, pretty popular, like... Maybe not the biggest profit margin in terms of, like, box office sales, mm -hmm. but, you know, like, ah, we'll do a third one just for the hell of it, and then it makes, like, $800 million in straight box office profit, and they're like, holy fuck, we've got to make another one. Yeah, we can't just How long do these take do to that. make? <laughs> oh, very long to make these. We can't just run out and, re like, shoot another thing. Yeah. We've got it. We got to get a team of hundreds of people to like build this thing from the ground up in computers. So nine years later, I see why this—the time difference—made it feel more unnecessary. Yeah. But like, I get why it took that long, bro. For what it's worth, the computer animation was on another level for this movie. Like, it was stupid good. Yeah, but. Like, no, no, it is. And, like, full, full credit to the artists and everything. But at the same time, that's what $200 million of Disney money gets you. <laughs> True. Okay, fair, so, like, fair, fair. Uh, 
on one hand, everybody involved did a fantastic job and absolutely deserves all the praise they get. On the other hand... <laughs> they had an unfair advantage. Uh, they, <laughs> there were certain <laughs> advantages. If Shark Tale had $200 million, it might have looked a little better, is what you're saying. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Will Smith just fished the shit out of me. Uh <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he was in that movie, right? I, I took hyper serious notes about the uh, about the just like fucked up nature of the universe. Well, oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were just gonna say I took hyper serious notes. I was gonna say yeah, because you're a Disney adult. So oh no, no, I'm not. Like, well, I'm a Disney Parks adult, but I'm not like sitting around constantly watching Disney movies. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's actually I'm very rarely There's... in the mood for them. There's Disney adults that will unironically go to the Country Bears attraction. That's me. And, like, go to the park occasionally. And then there's the people that cried at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to shit on anyone for having an emotional reaction. If that's you, I'm glad. Yeah, enjoy what you enjoy, but... I I got emotional at it. I did. I didn't cry, but, like... um... People... Honestly, I should have brought a box of tissues. Like I just saw posts everywhere that was like, I should have brought a box of tissues to Toy Story Four. So I was like, wow, something wild must happen. It's just like, oh no, Woody and Buzz just kind of break up. Yeah. Oh, is that it? I feel like they haven't talked to each other in two movies. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. All their relationship happens on the normal days when we're not around. Apparently. Yeah. Like yeah. their whole relationship was the first movie, and then the second and third are just like all these other characters, which are fun and great. What a yeah. good time. But then it's just like. Hey, remember that they were friends? Yeah. yeah I, I think so. Well, I, I did think that the, that the ending was one of the strongest points in the movie. Um, because in my hyper-serious notes, like, um, I, I, I kept shitting on Woody. Um, I even wrote that, like, he is a codependent narcissist who needs to make peace with the ebbs and flows of life and his place in the universe. Um, and one was just, like, the whole movie I was very bothered that I was, like, Woody seems to have grown very little despite three 90-minute arcs. Like, he seems to have (laughs) learned and changed so little, whereas, like, in the first movie, he's, like, kind of a soft antagonist. Like, he does, like, some really evil shit. And in this movie, I was like... Like, has he come to terms with nothing from the first three Toy Stories? Um, And I honestly felt like those were... That's a fair point. Those were questions that they wanted us to ask... Because at the end, um, oh fuck! Sorry, there's an uh, there's an American Psycho two note in my Toy Story notes, and it completely oh, threw no. me off. Um, no, but, no spoilers. Yeah, uh, I was like, <laughs> what? Um, no, but like, this isn't right. I actually appreciated that because I just thought this movie would. It was like clearly, I was like, so they're just gonna keep making these forever, right? Like it doesn't matter. That's what I got from like the movie's existence, and I was like, oh some actual change occurred at the end of it. Um, you know, like something that like Woody went through an arc that didn't just result in him feeling better. It resulted in him like changing his life. And don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I guarantee toy story five will be about how Woody just like so powerfully misses having oh, a kid man. and can't let go of that. Um, but like it, it was, it was cool, man. Like uh, I did not see it coming yeah. that he would actually go with Bo Peep. Yeah, I guess is to kind of I I'm losing the word here. But yeah, to just go with your point. 
it's weird that the plot to basically all these movies is Woody is mad and jealous that he's not getting played with. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and then, you know, that's that's the core of the issue, and then this one, that is a little less on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what the real issue is, but he's putting it up as actually something else. But yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, this movie had a lot of exposition. A ton of dialogue. You it's a very dialogue-heavy movie. As though we didn't I will. already know it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a little expositional dialogue humor. Ah, Denny. My podcast partner, Denny. I can't wait to keep recording this podcast called Movies for Wind that we do together. But and Greg, we are friends. We, we are friends that have known each other for about seven years. We always do this every Thursday without any interruptions. <laughs> That's right. This podcast that comes out on Fridays. <laughs> well, all right, is something going to happen now? <laughs> Just establish yeah, very well audience. animated conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, where were we before we started doing a stupid self-aware bit? Uh, a lot of expositional dialogue. Go on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep up, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. You are pardoned. Um, so something I did like about this was, uh, so like I, I for my uh, children children's media class. What are you laughing at? I'll tell you later. Okay. Um, for my children's media class in college, um, we had to read an article about how basically like Toy Story two appeal or sorry Toy Story one appealed to parents. Um, I am so distracted by how hard you're laughing. I got it. Uh, yeah, keep just ignore me. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is just like recording a diary entry. Um, this is like my Zenga. Um, so, um, but it was about how Toy Story One appealed to parents and kids, and like a unique struggle for the parents is that like they grew up loving cowboys and like really thought like, oh man, my kid's gonna love a stick horse, and you know, like we'll we'll play sheriff together, and it's gonna be awesome. And then their their Gen X kids uh, were like, fucking Star Wars, man. Like, space, it rules. Fuck cowboys. And boomers were like, oh, what the fuck are you kids into? You know, <laughs> like, and that was kind of like, that was kind of Buzz dethroning Woody, um, which I think is, is cool for the audience and to, like, kind of give two different demographics a different perspective on the movie. And I was like, if that's the theme... Um, Forky is a really good transition to, like, the despair of millennials and Gen Z. Of just, like, I don't know, this is chaos, and I don't want to live, and I don't want to be a toy. <laughs> That's, Ooh. like, what we were into and are into as kids. Like, no, 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 you have to go do this and, ha like, your existence dictates that you must do this job that we all do. It's like, <laughs> fuck that! Yeah, I'm jumping off the fucking bus! <laughs> like, yeah... Uh, yeah, but the uh, what the turnaround was an appeal to empathy. Yeah. It's like, if you don't, this little girl's gonna be very sad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we just got yelled to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Forky There's a, a snake in my boots! <laughs> uh, I, that was actually... Pull yourself up by your glued-on popsicle sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one of the best parts of the movie, was when... They did the best thing you could do to answer some of these hard-hitting questions we've been asking about the Toy Story universe when they go like, 
Forky, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Just ask me if you have any questions. Okay. How did I become alive? I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Like, I love that. That popped me really huge. Man, that's all we need, though, man. Just don't worry about it, you fucking nerds in the audience. That's essentially what they're saying. Great question. Stop it. He's alive because it's a movie about toys that come alive. Jesus Christ, we have to fucking world build everything for y'all? Like, I gotta feel like that's what the filmmakers were saying. <laughs> we got some movies to show you, Forky. Oh, man. What else What else you got, buddy? Um, so, something interesting was in this movie. Um, ooh. Are you familiar with this plot hole? Because this movie did confirm it. Um, if there there was like a theory about like how like hey, Woody according to Toy Story two, mm -hmm. is a rare collectible from the nineteen fifties, right? And he seems to have only had one kid who was born in the nineties. Mm -hmm. This does not track, right? Like, that's well, a pretty massive Toy Story plot hole that he existed for, like, yeah. 40 years before Andy's toy room and seems to have, like, no recollection whatsoever of it. Um, and so but this movie did confirm. Woody confirmed he was made in the late 1950s. Um, and he confirmed something else. Oh, that Andy was his first kid, like, which I guess we already knew. Um, mm -hmm. but, like, it was both, like, verbally confirmed in this movie, so there's conflicting reports, but I think it's really cool. There's one person who worked on the first Toy Story that's like, yeah, um, actually, like, Andy's father by the same name was Woody's first kid, um, and that's why, oh, and, th and then he got, like, really sick, and they had to, like, quarantine his toys, and some got put in the attic and never got brought back out. Um, and then when they were brought back out, they were just given to Andy as a kid. And Woody thinks it's the same kid. Um, but um, but then there's, like, another person who worked on the first movie that was like, yeah, I've got no idea what the fuck that guy's talking about. Like, that was not discussed. <laughs> um, I, no, you know, so it's like, who do you believe? You know, like, um, uh -huh. so, but I don't know. That's, that's always like something that's bothered me about Toy Story ever since I learned about it. That I was like, Andy should absolutely not be Woody's first kid. Um, that, yeah. that makes no sense. Right. <laughs> if he's that old. It's, a, it's something I always like that. Like what makes you actually really think about that is like in Toy Story two when Jesse is like, Oh, uh, what was her kid's name when they sang that song? I can't remember. I like she, song. When somebody loves you, so heavy hit fast forward on the VCR real quick. But yeah, it, then you kind of realize that that kid, like the story that we're flashing back to, is actually taking place like decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's like before Andy's even born. You're like, oh, I guess that was like in the '60s or '70s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, wow, you also had a kid just like Andy, and then it's like. This woman is old enough to be Andy's mother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I guess that is kind of. Wait a second. It's a pain in the ass. Um, another plot hole this movie introduced is that uh, uh, it was referenced that Star Wars and He Man exist in this universe. So, what the fuck is up with all these generic toys? <laughs> like, why does no kid have a, uh, a Darth Vader toy? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that about? Oh. That's a good question. 
I guess we get Barbie None and of them Ken, have... but that's it. Yeah, there's Ken and Barbie. Mr. Potato Head was a classic toy, too. That's true. He's name brand. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe that's not such it's... a big plot hole. I wonder how... Because he's Hasbro, I guess, right? I believe so. There's no Transformers in this shit. Like... Yeah. Like, all these kids just, like, I guess have no, like, popular toys. <laughs> they just have, like, yeah. generic dinosaurs and stuff. This is uh, Jason Goes to IP Hell. <laughs> like, what do we got? We got Xenomorph toys. We can show that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Toy Story 5. <laughs> We're acquiring brands to put more shit in Toy Story 5. That's Disney's ultimate plan here. If Toy Story 5 was like all the toys except Woody and Bo Peep versus uh, Molly's Bionicle Legos that she gets, and they just have like <laughs> a fucking like badass like war movie about it like i would be so on board like toys versus yeah. bionicles the lego movie three. <laughs> oh my god hell yeah yeah toy story 5 is just gonna be like some kid that really got into morbius <laughs> <laughs> tells woody it's morbin time um yeah man uh what else you got i i'm i'm kind of i think i'm kind of out of notes here um, like we didn't really touch on any specific specific scenes or anything. It was just all. <laughs> this is why this was such a perfect suggestion by our good friend Michael Lawson. Yeah. It's just like we only talked about like the themes, the ideas, and like the very existence of this movie being kind of a smack in the face, but also kind of justified. Yeah. No. It's uh, interesting. It's interesting. The ghost. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. The Toy Story. Um, a few things that stuck out to me were. Uh, so technically, Bo Peep is driving around in a hollowed-out corpse that she stole. Um, that, oh that my god! Skunkmobile is a dead toy, um, which like that's like a, a rotting corpse, right? Like, <laughs> what the and fuck then did is she that? Also, did she also put the corpse of a real skunk over it? Um, I don't. Or was or is like that fake fur and like it was. A toy designed to look like a skunk. I think it was a toy designed to look like a, a skunk, which, like... Either either way, it's a dead body. Yeah, and that's, like, even, like, the car parts that she's using are, like, fucking... It's, it's like, fucking building, like, a forklift out of human bones and driving it around. Or a bike, I suppose. I don't know why cool. I went to forklift. Yeah, like... Forklift. Forklift. Like, wow. Those are, like... What's a, what's a small one-man vehicle? I know. Forklift. <laughs> That's like a that's like a dead body that she's driving around the world in. That's pretty metal. Um, uh. <laughs> does does Disney think that every carnival has an expensive fireworks display every night? Um, oh yeah. Was that like a, a Jack Donahue being like, "It's a jug of milk. What could it cost? Five hundred dollars." Showing he's like so far removed from society that he has no idea what anything costs. <laughs> It's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, confirm or deny, this mm. is um, the best acting Keanu Reeves has ever done. Deny. Name a, name a better Keanu acting performance. Uh, acting performance? Why not? Why not John Wick? Well, because that's the beauty of John Wick, is they don't give him a lot of acting to do. That's why it really, really works. The Matrix 4. Uh, I don't know. 
point break whatever for, for something with so much dialogue i was like keanu's showing some fucking range usually i like him more when he talks less unless it's a comedy well shit this was kind of the trick the trick is to make keanu canadian that's how we unlock his true powers ah duke duke kaboom was a great character i like duke kaboom yeah that's the thing is like it like like i was saying like the the main characters feel out of place like rex and slinky and mr potato head they talk and you're like who are you fucking guys like no they've been with us since the beginning and like i want to get mad about all these new characters they've introduced like this louise the triceratops and this other little weird sock puppet doll and you're just but like the characters are good yeah so like i want to be mad about it but then like duke kaboom's funny and awesome so yeah keen peel am great. i mad the carnival plushes they, they were awesome mm-hmm. man they did a great job yeah if you're gonna go to a carnival like you gotta have the uh, the plushes that have been up there for years waiting to get one in a rigged game <laughs> again what kind of fucking torture is that right like <laughs> that's it's a fucked up world for toys again bo's a fucking anarchist <laughs> back on theme <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I guess that's that's pretty much my thoughts. We can we can wrap it. I I liked it a lot yeah. more than I thought I would. That's my main thought, and I, I appreciated uh, the emotional content. I expected to feel absolutely nothing, and uh, those motherfuckers at Pixar they always they always pull it off. I, I got emotional in this one. I really liked it. Hmm. All right. Very good. Um, Denny, if you could just excuse me a second. Yes. Excuse my reach for purpose. Yes. What is your winner for the gimmick of the week this week? You know? Oh, here it is. Um, okay. It was uh, Forky's Existence. Um, it, mirrors, uh-huh. it, it mirrors the film Search for Purpose. Um, even Woody himself was searching for purpose, and I felt like the, those two characters' drives uh, really symbolized like this movie really, really had to work to make itself exist. Okay, yeah. Um, mine is a more meta selection. Sell more toys. <laughs> I'm also going to use Forky as the example here. <laughs> I, I like just obvious and brazen cash grabs. Yeah, aren't really anything to be ashamed of when they fucking work so well. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I I don't mind it if you're going to make another thing for the sole purpose or like introduce characters for the sole purpose for selling them as toys, fuck it, do it. Yep. Make your bajillion dollars. See if I care. Yep. Use that money to go make the etern. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your forky dollar went right into my forky the dollar went to make Morbius. <laughs> no. <laughs> You did this, Greg. You I made did Morbius. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, man. Like a little side note. It it was funny. Like we went to uh, the Alamo to watch a different movie, mm-hmm. and then as like while this movie was out, and there was like an entire station with like fold out tables where they just had sporks and pipe cleaners and like supplies t- for kids to make their own forkies and i thought it was really cute that's awesome so yeah make your own toys don't don't buy them fuck that shit uh, have rich parents buy toys 
Yeah. I'm an okay. adult. I, I buy toys still. Become the rich parent. Uh, I, or I'm not that. I'm just a, become not a parent. Just a just a neither, neither rich no or kids, a parent. Despite <laughs> not really uh, having the income to justify what I do with my toy room. Uh, it's easier when there's no mouths to feed. <laughs> That's right. Um, Greg, what's your favorite line? Uh, my favorite line. I wanted something from Duke Kaboom, but uh, something that Rex said really stuck with me. The panic is attacking me. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I don't think. Yeah, I caught it on the second. The yeah, the second time around. Definitely not the first. It was awesome. Um, One of his four lines. Yeah, I didn't even realize till you said it. Rex Ham and Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head. They're like not in this movie. They're like not exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> Jesse has like maybe twelve lines. Yeah, Je- Jesse at least like gets a thing because she's clearly like the star of the franchise going forward. She gets to be the sheriff, you know, like um, yeah. That she like at least had something, even though she didn't really do much either, you know. Yeah, there's there was a moment where like Woody was talking about needing to get back to Buzz and Jesse and Slinky and Bullseye, and I'm like, who the fuck is Bullseye? <laughs> oh right. <laughs> That horse that's been here for three movies. That horse that's, right. that's been here since the fucking movie that came out in 1999. Uh, <laughs> oops. Um, <laughs> my favorite line requires no context. Um, yes. My favorite. I know you weren't around when Andy was little, <laughs> but I don't remember it being this hard. Fucking pervy ass Woody. That's what she said. Oh my god. <laughs> fucking pedo Woody. He apparently had a Woody. I wish I could see the face I make. I'm uh, yeah. also oh, stuck man. in childhood in ways other than collecting toys. <laughs> Wiener jokes. Moving on. Uh, yeah, nice little story of Woody coming to grips with... <laughs> Having 25 years of unbridled privilege. <sighs> My wife just spilled water. Don't say so. Woody coming in grips in the same sentence again, please. Just try. <laughs> just try and stop me. Uh, Denny, what was your rating for Toy Story 4? Uh, same as Psycho 2. I gave it a 40. 40 out of 50. Um, All right. I thought it was a, a... 40s across the board this episode. I can't wait to get to American Psycho 2. That's going to be the case. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I honestly really surprised me. You know, it's working against the grain for my approval. I, I did not want to like this movie, and I did not expect to, and it was a lot better than I expected. Okay, no, I like that. Um, my rating, I, I feel like this has a lot of the same beats as the other movies, but it's kind of missing a little bit of the soul and i don't know if that's the movie's fault or if it's just my age showing because yeah. you know what's my cage again <laughs> just end the podcast now but when I... <laughs> we have to go out you said uh, it we have to end it that's that's, so, a, that's the, the phrase them's the rules uh yeah i thought it was fine i didn't like it as much as any of the other three movies uh, i gave this one a 27 out of 40 Ooh. Which, you know, it's it's not as bad as it seems. It's just... it It's... I don't feel like I ever got into it all the way, yeah. you know? Fair enough. Uh, but it's 
beautiful movie to look at. I'm I hope this is it because I don't want this to turn into like The Incredibles two. Because it it's like, happening whether we want it or not. <laughs> dude, like Incredibles one. I like it a lot. Incredibles 2, it's like... Incredibles 2 takes place, like, the same day as the first movie, but, like, the same characters sound obviously elderly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's jarring. But, yeah, hopefully we don't get that here. Uh, Yeah, 27 out of 40. Um, It's it's fine. Just curious, on on your scale of 40, what's a passing grade? Uh, If you look at, like, in a traditional, like, a 70 is like a passing grade in school i i I would consider like a 60 a passing grade if we're gonna use that same scale so like a 70 would equate to a 28 and what i consider passing is a 60 so a 24 out of 40 would be a passing grade so this is above passing in my head that's not really that low it's just 27 sounds kind of low but it's really not yeah yeah, you hear the 20 and you're like, oh my god, 50%, but like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, anything under 30 doesn't mean it's bad or that I didn't like it. I just felt like it was fine. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think that the high-quality animation bumped it up a couple points for me, too. You know, like, that that covered for oh, a lot yeah. of sense. It was fucking fantastic, man. Dude, uh, that's, that's what I love is just when, like, you know, we've got the budget to make this look as beautiful as possible. You want to add more scenes with rain? Dude, I, was like, I feel like they did that just to flex. Had <laughs> it rain a lot. Dude, what a... <laughs> yeah, it's not just like rain, like, ooh, we're going to have some hair wet. Like, no, we're going to have leaves and mud and spinning rubber wheels of an RC car in a gutter. And you're going to be like, holy fuck, is this real? <laughs> that rain looked good, too. Like, it yeah, really that was good. awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, just wet streets with the street lights reflecting off it you're just like god damn this looks good yeah i was amazed man i was really amazed yeah for sure well first things first you gotta start with a seamless edit there it is and there it is with that out of the way how the hell do we talk about this movie (laughs) all right uh welcome back ladies and gentlemen we are here to discuss a movie American directed go it just go just go i'm sorry i'm sorry american psycho 2 colon all american girl is a film directed by morgan j freeman <laughs> uh this is a uh, 2002 straight to dvd film starring mila kunis it is a sequel to the movie we covered last week, American Psycho, starring Christian Bale from just two years prior. You can watch both of these movies, uh, American Psychos 1 and 2, on HBO Max. We recommend only one of these. So, <clears throat> as Denny adds more Cherry Coke Zero to his cocktail. Cherry Vanilla, thank you very much. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> cherry Vanilla, whatever. American Psycho 2, colon, All-American Girl, starring Mila Kunis, directed by Morgan J. Freeman, is a direct sequel to American Psycho in the absolute weirdest way possible, man. They were insistent that it was a direct sequel and not just something in a similar vein. They were absolutely clear about that. Abundantly so. 
Abundantly so. Yeah, so this is this was my pick, so I'll go ahead and summarize the plot for us. I wish you luck. Yeah, man. Um, if you're getting bored by my plot description, imagine watching the movie. Uh, so, yeah. Patrick Bateman from American Psycho 1, I guess, was a notorious serial killer, a celebrity. And if you're hearing that and saying, like, was he, though? I know. Uh, so he's he's murdering a young woman who's babysitting a younger girl, 12-year-old girl, something like that. And the girl breaks loose, and instead of running away and seeking help, in a very hilarious manner, she gets an ice pick and kills Patrick Bateman, who is played by the back of somebody's head who's back of their head might almost look like Christian Bale's back of head. So, she kills Patrick Bateman and then is like, wow, something changed in me that day. And I grew up and went to college. I went... <laughs> and then we... Okay, come on, you can't... <laughs> I'm just revisiting the movie and I'm, I'm hearing you try to describe it in a serious voice and it, I'm, it's I'm just struggling. breathtaking. I'm struggling it's, it's here. It's breathtaking. Man. It's six years later, she's 18, 19 years old, whatever. This is Mila Kunis' character. Um, uh, I'll keep talking while you look up her name, if you could, please. Uh, <laughs> she has like three in this movie. Uh, Rachel, like Rachel, Rachel Jensen from the front desk. Yes. It is Rachel. Relations. It is, is Rachel. Is it really Rachel? Oh it's Rachel. God. That's, yeah. Her character from, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Rachel Newman. Rachel Newman. Sorry. Oh my god. Alright, I gotta get through this. So basically, she is so inspired by her own killing of a serial killer that she wants to dedicate her whole life to catching uh, serial killers. So she's going to a school for the strict purpose of attending a class taught by William Shatner. Um, that caught me off fucking guard. Yeah, it should have. Uh, so he's a professor in this class. He worked with the FBI for decades, and he was famously somebody that would catch uh, known serial killers, and he could profile them very well for the FBI. In his class, if you become the TA, the teacher's assistant for this for this class, I guess in whatever semester, Rachel has it in her head that that's a fast ticket to Quantico to get into the FBI. So. Our follow-up to a commentary on yuppie culture and, like, a, a dive into the mind of a psychopath who, where we come to realize, like, his mindset is covered up and somewhat welcomed in what we find out is, like, a actual micro-society of other types of psychopaths is distilled into girl want to be ta to go fbi get good job kill people yes so denny what's your relationship with american psycho 2 all american girl i did i don't want to know. drone on too long sorry i did not know it existed until a week ago when you became fixated upon it and preoccupied by it um and the more I thought about it, the more it seemed inconceivable to me. And now I have seen it, and it is 
even more inconceivable than I anticipated. That yeah. is, I never, ever once heard of anything slightly resembling a sequel to American Psycho. I had no idea this existed. Yeah, because it didn't need to exist. Like, I still think <laughs> Toy Story 4 had less of a need to exist, but, like, at least... Not like this. At, at this, least this. they watched the other movies. This... <laughs> What's what's your relationship with the movie, Greg? I so like I had seen American Psycho one, like I was saying, maybe like oh eight oh nine somewhere in there, and then I watched like a YouTube video that was just like, can you believe this movie is like this so bad it's good? Like kind of one of those YouTube channels, like can you yeah. believe this movie actually fucking exists? And I like watched like a mini review on it. I was like, wow, that looks terrible. Yeah, never actually watched it. So I've known about this movie for like 10 or 12 years. And then it was on HBO and I was just like, we talked about the first one last week. I was just like, this is too perfect. I got to pick it for this week. I'm just like, I'm fixated on this thing. It's like rot with meme potential. Like I, and I haven't even seen it. <laughs> this has to be the craziest shit I've ever seen. Well, like, yeah, because it's like, uh, like... By the way, it is so fucking far from a Hollywood blockbuster, but the spirit of it is like a Hollywood blockbuster sequel to what is essentially a half-assed art film. You know, like, it's like, uh, it, it, it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, an appropriate comparison to this. It's like, uh, it's like, um, Citizen Kane 2... Um, it's like called, it's called like Citizen Kane 2 monkey business or something where like <laughs> a monkey takes over his, his fortune, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's like, that's how like antithetical the title sounds to the source material. <laughs> like, it's like, what? like face value. What the fuck is this existence of this movie? Yeah. Holy this fucking is, um, shit. It's. I'm thinking of sending things where a uh, post office worker go goes back to his small town and buys ice cream and <laughs> watches old movies with his old pal, the janitor. Um, <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like in the, in the, the, first, the first scene of the movie really established the tone when it's like, you're seeing uh, from behind, because we can't get Christian Bale. Right, yeah. From behind, Patrick Bateman is doing a murder on uh, on an adult woman, uh, and, and there's a child in the room. Mm -hmm. And they literally, essentially do the like, yep, that's me. You're probably <laughs> wondering how I got here. Yes! <laughs> Dude, that's one of my notes, too. Like... Record scratch freeze frame. Like, dude, this is one of the worst intro scenes ever, dude. It's I've on YouTube. Ever seen. If you want to watch it on YouTube, like the, just the intro scene, it's there for you. Um, oh she hits us because Mila Kunis does voiceover throughout the whole movie. She's going to tell you exactly what she's thinking and what's going on the entire time. If you were ever confused about. <laughs> anything at all don't worry she's gonna tell you about it but it it introduces us to some like 
high school sophomore English paper bullshit. Because she's like, I was a normal girl. I could have escaped. And then... (laughs) I had a plan in life. I was going to college. All that was about to change. Like, that's something she actually says. And it just... It comes off as, like, Webster's Dictionary defines a serial killer as... It just... Oh my god. Like, what are you doing? So, a, a few things I learned from IMDb trivia about this movie that I think are wo- worth contextualizing for our discussion. You yes. seem to have some too? Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're about to say. I'm about to say the like the several most notable things. Um, one, shot in 20 days. No way, I didn't know that. 20 oh days. Um... It was not intended to be an American Psycho sequel, and yeah. that was added on during production. Yes, that's that's the one thing I knew that I was waiting for you to bring up. That this yeah. this was not originally intended to be a sequel to American Psycho, but like during production, there's like, what if we tack this on? The author of the book was like, what the fuck? And they're like, ah, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, the author like disowned this movie and was like this is not canon <laughs> you know like and uh the final note was uh the uh mila kunis said or is it mila or mila uh i think it could go either way uh okay. well mila it's mila it's mila. let's do mila um <laughs> you can't go either way it's it's a person's name we're supposed yeah. to say it correctly but yeah she's not here for us to ask <laughs> she was she has said that she was horrified that she made this movie and was delighted that it went straight to video so no one would see it. Which is nice, because, like, I'm a Mila uh-huh. Kunis fan. And the, the whole movie, I was like, she's better than this. Shatner's yeah. not, but Mila Kunis is. She's yeah. better than this. And Shatner got to, like, get paid several million dollars for what I'm sure was half a day of shooting. Like, you know? Like, he, he was in a few different places. I think he was there the whole time. I feel like they... Maybe he, at the time he was living nearby, and then they put the college in, like, uh, western Washington State just yep. so they could, like, get Shatner to come out to different places. Yep, yep. Like, you expect me to be in a building and a park? Mm, that's going to cost you $2 million unless you move the <laughs> shoot out to my house. Like, fine. Then you have to give me that 2 mil, even if I do a bad job. That's Captain Kirk money, baby. <laughs> um... God, man. <laughs> this fucking movie, Greg. This fucking movie. This is... You know, last last week's episode was movies for when the audience missed the point. I have never seen a sequel <laughs> where the production staff missed the point. By a country mile, brother. <laughs> By a country bear's mile. This is unbelievable. And it's incredible. And it, like you were saying, Mila Kunis way too good for this yes and you know she i think she was well into doing the that 70s show for a while here like she's established it's just so weird that she's in this doing like this dexter light mixed with like gossip girl voiceover and like the whole crux of the plot is i want to be the ta next semester fucking okay like at what point during watching the original movie did you think of <laughs> I mean like like you were saying it's it's not a, intended to be a direct sequel at least at the beginning of production but like 
you gotta you gotta scrap it and start over if you decide it's gonna be a sequel to that movie. If yeah. this is where you were going, this is just like a boring, generic kind of slasher about a psycho college girl. I mean, let me ask you this. Please. If it wasn't for a lazy cash grab at a, a recognizable IP, why the fuck were you making this movie in the first place? Like, how did this get anywhere near off the ground without a studio being like, slap this IP on something and make some money off of it? I... That's a good question, because you have to think, like, if that never actually took place, if, like, everything carried through, like, story-wise and production-wise semi-on-plan, and, like, kind of played out like this story, and they just ditch all the Patrick Bateman shit, like, what do you even have? Like, why, why make this? This sucks. It's so bad. Um... I, I was deeply upset. I, I didn't get bored in this movie, Greg. I was I was mesmerized the entire time. Um, but this, like, I'm not in like, by that. in like a train wreck way. I like right. could not like I, I could not believe they just kept doing what they were doing. Like I couldn't look away. I loved every second of the movie, but I, I watched it when Vanessa had to had to work late because mm-hmm. um, I thought she would have zero interest in watching it. And, like, immediately after the starting of the movie, I wished I was watching it with her because I was like, her reactions would be so gold to this. Um, and she came home and was, like, making herself some dinner in, like, the third act. And, like, five minutes in, she was like, um, she was like, why does this have the tone of a Disney Channel original movie? Um, the voiceover She's not and the wrong. soundtrack. And then I was like, yeah. Wait until you find out that a key character is named Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> like, like I it, was, it was a decom. It was a fucking decom that named a character Elizabeth McGuire, and she said, she, like, when she said, like, when the shrink asked her if you could be anyone other your, other than yourself, who would you be? And she says Elizabeth McGuire. I legitimately thought she oh. meant Hillary Duff's iconic character, dude. Like, I'm I was so. Like, what the I'm so glad you said that because I had the exact same thought. I thought the same shit. Like, exactly. I thought it was going to be, like, a really weak cover-up, right? Like, my wife watched, like, the first hour or so with me, and she does say that. Like, if I could be anyone else, I'd be Elizabeth McGuire. It's like, ah, she's going to say Lizzie McGuire from her favorite show. Yeah. We had the same thought. That's insane. And it's just like, nope. This just, okay. I mean, like... she might as well have been like ever since I was a child I knew I wanted to be Lewis Stevens he was so funny (laughs) I was like what the fuck man and I had a plan to be him but all that was about to change and what is this like 2002 this is like 2002 yeah this is when Lizzie McGuire was on TV and like very popular right yeah, I, I assume so. That's the time frame I imagine it in. So I'm going to uh, do a quick Google search and tell you that Lizzie McGuire uh, first aired in January of 2001. So yeah, I feel like it this was, was well, like the peak of its popularity was around this time. It would have been, most definitely. Man. Which makes it all that more embarrassing. It's like having like, It's like having a secretary named Luke Skywalker. 
<laughs> like in your movie I'm calling him Lucas yeah. oh, Lucas Skywalker the accountant like, like, not having it be a thing <laughs> it's not a reference it's it's not homage it's we're not gonna bring it it's up it's just a normal name that normal people have that it's like it's not a weird thing guys it's like um uh, Martin Sheen when he's in 30 Rock and his, his character's name is Wesley Snipes yeah. <laughs> but at least they acknowledge it in the show like hold on your name is Wesley Snipes <laughs> if you said the name Wesley Snipes and you said com- ca- compared me to the actor and a white British man you put the you'd pick the white Englishman every time every time Liz <laughs> Elizabeth McGuire Speaking of Welsh actors like Martin Sheen, uh, Dr. Daniels, our uh, therapist character, that accent slips a couple times. He is a Welsh actor, just like... I I didn't know that he was a Welsh actor, and I thought that they were just like, ah, he's a therapist, he has to be vaguely British, because that's a thing. He's trying to cover his British accent, so I want you to also tell me... So this is another character that is like... Through through means that I believe are psychic has deciphered that our main character is actually like a psychopath serial killer. Yes. Like I, I want to get your opinions on the therapy session scenes in this movie and ask: Are they true to life? Is this guy a savant for serial killers? <laughs> I, well, Wait. Hold on, is that a no? <laughs> um, as almost always, uh, set the profession back 20 years uh, just by existing. Nice, um, alright. First of all, he uh, he was not a therapist, he was a psychiatrist. Uh, it showed their intense lack of understanding, um, which was, this is not what a psychiatrist does. Um, if you find a psychiatrist who gives this much of a fuck about his work, please... Let me know their name so I can refer people to them. Um, Psychiatrists talk to you for about 10 minutes and prescribe you pills and then bill insurance companies $400 and want you to get out of their face. Um, That's that's a psychiatrist's job. Um, They're supposed to do more, and there are a select few who are very awesome. Uh, Most of them are like, "Um, I'm sorry, how am I going to get paid money for, like, being good at this when I can just bill insurance for the time and get paid for prescribing shit um so that's that's that (laughs) um so one of my notes would be uh (laughs) hit me (laughs) um this would have been a short movie if this therapist was slightly realistic because um (laughs) as soon as she said i need to be on a watch list he would have been like all right well let's put you there yep like you're, I gotta make some calls to the hospital. Um, oh, the hospital, not some random professor that he knows. <laughs> not a random professor. A professor who is his patient. They established that. Yep. That he uh, is his yep. patient. Yep. yep. So yep. he yep. called another patient to break HIPAA, which they, I was actually impressed that they actually acknowledged he was violating HIPAA, and he knew he was doing it and was like, 
this is kind of a no-no, but I've got to tell you something about another patient. I'm not going to say her name, but I think you know who I mean. Like, um, <laughs> like, um, unfucking believable if someone was like, I'm dangerous and I need to be watched. Um, I've got bad news for you, motherfucker. You're, you're at risk of losing your license if you're not like, all right. So let's find you a place to go be watched. <laughs> like, like the, if, if that's if that's really how you feel, um, oh we gotta God. find a hospital that takes your insurance. Uh, can you call someone to give you a ride? You know, <laughs> like like it's, it was it was fucking silly, man. It was fucking silly. This therapist. Yeah. Would it make it better if I told you that every if you know if you were meeting with this patient? Every time you two had a conversation, you had a uh, score that was playing behind you that was supposed to be tense because there's a high-pitched whine on a violin going... But also... A... (laughs) Oh my god, a Nickelodeon teen sitcom soundtrack happening at the same time. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, it's like, just imagine, man. The, The music is a mood killer. Bro, it's macking me shit. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Greg, I'm not joking, and I don't think you would have picked this up, um, because you haven't seen the movie. When they are doing the chase scene, uh huh. Hold on, wait, chase scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember. It is an extremely clear, like very specific knockoff of the Beetlejuice soundtrack. Like iconic and recognizable. And I personally believe, this is my theory, I think they typed in something on royaltyfreemusic.com and didn't know that that was meant to be a thinly veiled Beetlejuice soundtrack. Like, weren't Mm -hmm. with it enough to recognize, like, that was supposed to be like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, here's a $40 way to use an iconic score. Um... Like, I think they didn't notice and went with it, is what I'm thinking. Like, I'm sure it was called, like, Juicy Beetle or something. <laughs> you know, like, um, and they Juicy were like, bug. why do they call this perfect chase scene music Juicy Beetle? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, some of the scenes, like, the music would just start playing, and I was like, I just see Jeffrey Jones's face in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> going the do 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 it's just like well this kid's getting away with it kind of <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the vibe we're really hitting speaking of getting away with it they i couldn't stop thinking of uh the Paul Rudd method of dealing with minor inconveniences from Wet Hot American Summer, where it's like every time someone like mildly annoys her, it's like you just see them flying off the side of uh, the, out of a van onto the side of the road. Um, you know, like every time someone's in her way, you just see this like, <sighs> want to go to a pizza party? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> murders everyone who is the slightest inconvenience and no one notices that all these people are dying and disappearing and they're very clearly linked to her like it's like all these people who want this ta position just keep dying 
And then the professor dies, and one of the candidates didn't die. Weird! <laughs> like... <laughs> Thinking face emoji. Dude, it, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I guess maybe she's hiding the bodies? And then she kills, like, the, the male student in the library... And then just fucking leaves. You're just like, oh, okay, I guess nobody's going to the library for the next week and a half. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And it's like, it's part of the ending montage where it's like, oh, we found another body. Like, oh, at a table in the library yeah. <laughs> that we see students walking in and out of? Yeah. Like, she, they, like, show it there. And it's like, they try to kind of be like, with the students who she murders, they kind of try to be like, uh, oh, they must have gone home for spring break. But it's like... She murdered an academic advisor. She mm -hmm. murdered a professor and two of his office staff. <laughs> you know, like, like, no one's asking questions. And, and a janitor. Also... Right, and they explain away that, like, and we haven't even gotten into this identity-stealing twist. But the girl oh she God, kills yeah. and steals the identity of, their explanation for it is that no one noticed because she's an orphan. Therefore, that, like... Since she doesn't have parents, she's apparently made it 18 years and into a prestigious university with just, like, no one knowing her. Like, <laughs> like no one on Earth notices that she's gone. No like, IDs, she, no like, student IDs, nothing at the registry, this, like, student registry office, just... It's like Fuck it. Well, you you could be anybody. We don't fucking care. It's also, We're a university. It's like the schools or the, the the filmmakers idea of like if someone was an orphan meaning both their parents died, they like apparently think it means you just wandered the streets and showed up to school until you got into college. Like it's like you guys know she like eventually had parents, right? Like, like it's like if her parents died, it's like it's not like no one raised her and she was just this like off the grid human. Like it's yeah. like there's a there's a widest kids you know sketch where like there's a kid whose parents die and he's like yes. And then he just runs around making mischief and anytime someone tries to be like hey you're not allowed to do that he's like my parents are dead and the cops I will remember just be that. like mm, ah, we can't do anything about that his parents are dead that's like what they think your parents dying does in this movie <laughs> like seriously I don't know if you knew this Denny but guardians don't actually exist that's just a myth like, that's a no myth no friends like no one knew she was gone she didn't have a roommate at orientation God. <laughs> It's oh my a, oh god, my god, it's stupid. It's like so... It's like, like the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Neil Breen had more self-aware writing than this. Ooh, is there something in my notes where I mentioned Neil Breen? I think there might be. I've uh, never thought I would be like, Neil Breen is better at making movies than you. To anyone, for anything ever. And he is absolutely better at making movies than them. Like, at least he tried in certain areas, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's like, this movie, I looked up its budget. It was $10 million, which isn't, like, massive. But I'm like, you turned $10 million into this. Neil Breen at least, like, self-financed his movies and pulled them out of his ass. You know, like... Yeah. He did, he did something that was... I don't want to call it impressive, but certainly more ambitious with a lot less than these motherfuckers did. 
Yeah, uh, I'm glad, though, that Mila Kunis was never like, everybody should just go back to their own country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the, uh, the mm. Neil Breen heel turn. Heel Breen that we weren't expecting. And a real hero. Um, <laughs> real human Breen and a real heel. A real so, yeah, like, this, this movie is just boring as shit dude it's it's just i did not find that it's weird it's a weird kind of boring where you're just like this is the fucking plot but like i can't turn it off i can't look away i'm not on my phone i'm just amazed that it's all still happening yeah and it's just like you know if you want to like look at the the broad picture of it and just like what's wrong with the story the plot everything you could find like a hundred things wrong with this movie and i feel like we have that's a conservative if, estimate <laughs> if you want to look at like the yeah there you go if you want to look at like the the minute things if you want to nitpick you can find also a hundred other things wrong with it and like if you're watching it you can mentally just switch to just being like the broad strokes of what's ridiculous about this shit and then like also watch like the minor things and like also find as much fun things that are wrong like she kills her friend who a friend that is sleeping with William Shatner and is like a student professor relationship she kills her and they're like friends and then stages it like a, a suicide by hanging basically and <laughs> William Shatner, like, days later, finds the decaying body hanging from the ceiling, and that girl's face is moving a lot. <laughs> yeah. She is hanging from the ceiling, and you're just, like, watching her lips move and eye twitch and nose kind of crinkle for, like, a two-second shot to, like, a, a note left on her chest. Like, you couldn't hold still for two seconds? Yeah. We couldn't get two takes? Not not That's... to mention the logic of, like, she has a note on her that says he didn't love me enough, which doesn't even identify the professor. And he's like, God, I have to remove this note and pretend I never saw this. This is evidence. Yeah, it could be like, anybody. It could be fucking anyone! <laughs> like, it's a horrible way to frame the professor. It's a fucking... And even then, even then, right? Even uh -huh. then. That's not framing him. It doesn't make it look like he murdered her. It makes it look like she killed herself. <laughs> it's not like you don't like you don't get arrested because like someone like it's not like the cops come to your house and say, like, sorry, you were her 13th reason. We've got to take you to jail for murder. Ooh, uh, nice. You know, like, you know, like that's not the way it fucking works. Like. If you're mentioned in a suicide note, you have to go to jail. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> oh my god, dude. And it's like, dude. I get that it's like he wanted to cover up his adultery, but even then, it's like, who is he? Like, who's he? There's no evidence. Like, he could just, like, not be tied to it at all. Dude. <laughs> oh my god. But he just feels the need. He's, he was in love with her, man. It, like, can I get into the FBI by learning serial killer trivia and having, like, a mild opinion about it? Is that Obviously. what it takes? <laughs> Is that what it takes? Obviously. That was... this girl... 
She's like, I'm obviously the best person in this class. I know everything. And she's like, actually, Ed Gein did this. And the professor was like, hmm, elaborate. Well, <laughs> and like, that's it. Like, she just knows simple Wikipedia facts about serial killers. And she's like, I'm on the hot track for the FBI. Like, get the fuck out of here. This yeah. movie, it's, it's incredible because it not only misses the point of the first movie but it also misses the point of like serial killers and psychopaths <laughs> i mean that whole everything you see in that course plays a lot more like uh like true crime trivia night at cool beans than it does like one of the top <laughs> forensics programs in the world <laughs> like it's it's like fucking silly man Dude, you just you watch like the first, you you watch Mindhunter, which is a show on Netflix, kind of about the FBI, like starting to profile serial killers. Super fun, super engaging. And then you watch this, you're like, this is somebody came out of that program, and this is how they're teaching a class. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my god. It was like, and that's like, honestly, like the dumbest part of the movie to me was when uh, the shrink is selling the book about her. Um, and he's like, you guys don't understand. Uh, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, uh, Patrick Bateman, they were nothing compared to this one in a billion absolute sick fuck planful criminal mastermind there's never been a killer like her and it's like she fucking fucking stabbed a dude in the head with a mop and left him in a dumpster what are you <laughs> fucking talking about <laughs> like, like fucking stupid man like she wanted to get ahead in class so she like <laughs> used reasonable means to kill them okay great and they talk about how, like, planful and calculated it was, and it was like, how would any of this fucking help her? It was... <laughs> how would any of what she's doing help her? This was all so spur of the moment, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not calculated and planned, so they're wrong about that, because it, it's just... Well, they, like, they, ah, they, here's they a minor inconvenience, let me murder my way out of... They, they try to reveal that it was like a, um, it was like a complex way to steal Lizzie McGuire's identity. Um, <laughs> like, that, like getting caught was part of the plan. And it's like, first of all, like very Jeff Wingery way of like, um, when like in community, when they're like, what do you mean? Like, uh, get the answers. Why don't you just like write them down from the book and bring a, bring a, ch a cheat sheet into class. And he's like, because that's practically learning, you know, <laughs> like, um, like he's just doing all these fucking extra steps for no reason. But they like, they reveal that she like, they're like, see, she was a mastermind. She was supposed to get caught. Um, that was all part of the plan. She was playing everyone the whole time. And I'm just sitting there being like, how did any of that plan help elevate her to where she is now? Like, how did, how did any of that like result in this? She just shows up and says like, that's right. My real goal was to steal the identity of the person who was TA last semester. 
Um, yeah. And it's like, how did any of this help you do that? Like, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't understand how it fits together in any way. It's, it's as if, like, if you watch the first movie, and then at the end... Patrick Bateman is like, and all that helped me get this super cool job promotion. You're like, wait, what the fuck? Why? No, it didn't. Yeah, like, (laughs) and like, it's even like they try to like say that like she was playing the shrink and she was trying to give herself away to him. But they even have a voiceover of her like freaking out at her own self and being like, I need professional help. Like, you know, so it like contradicts that, that it's like, Mm -hmm. that's our our view into her mind and she's like kind of scaring herself with what she's doing but also like being cute with herself about it being like whoa i maybe need some professional help i just like murdered someone i mean like i'm looking at myself being like rachel what are you doing you know like it's like <laughs> you it's murdered a- someone oh rachel it's it's a marvel quip session but between a character's own voiceover and herself in real time it's fucking terrible speaking just of quips. the oh my god just the voiceover in this movie man where she's just explaining every feeling she has and every detail of what's going on it's just... you, would, you would think a movie that explains so much would make more sense <laughs> Like, at a certain point, it would have to accidentally make sense just by virtue of constantly explaining. No. Right. It makes no fucking sense. Like, even, like, when her... her, her... Uh Uh-oh. Her parents show up. Right. Unannounced, right? Which, it ultimately amounts to nothing. Like, there's, like, no reason they, like, showed up and had her mom's birthday dinner with her. Which also, like... Whose mom drives to their university for their own birthday? You go to like anyway, but it, it was, was spring break too. Yes, and like, and Come she's to like, us. <laughs> she's caught off guard because her parents are there. Um, and then, uh, and then she goes. Um, the mom walks in and goes. On our note of expositional dialogue, the mom literally goes, "Oh, we've been planning this for months." <laughs> Like, <laughs> to reinforce that Mila Kunis forgot that there was, like, there was supposed to be a plan. And it's just like, who walks into a house? Like, if I came over to your house uh, next weekend and was like, Oh, Greg, we have planned this since Thursday. <laughs> I texted you last weekend about this. And here I am, just as planned. You didn't forget you are about sure here, plan Danny. to hang out, did you, Greg? You are here, Denny, and we're going to watch the movie that we talked about watching when we made these plans last week. We discussed it previously! Isn't this engaging dialogue? (laughs) That's a no, everybody. Speaking of engaging dialogue, how about those one-liners after the kills? Oh my god, dude. (laughs) Just terrific. Um... (sighs) I don't, I'll, I'll go ahead and give away one of my runner-ups for best line. Yeah. yeah. One of the one-liners after kill was, Yep, I just killed Brian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well stated. Yes, you did. Um, good God, man. You have any more notes, man? I, I'm... I, uh, oh my god. I, I appreciated that she made a point to frequently dress like the wrestler Kane. 
um, when she was killing people. Um, mm-hmm. Almost always in red and black. Um, dude, that's gotta be. The that's first... gotta be Kane. <laughs> that's oh, you you just made my heart happy, sir. Um, the first restaurant scene when she goes with Brian, and like in addition to like being mm-hmm. served wine unquestioned at age eighteen. Uh, in a college town, which I don't know if you guys know this, I live in a college town. They card like fifty-year-olds because they don't want any of that smoke, right? Like, um, they are not carded by the most awkward actor I've ever seen in a movie playing the waiter. Holy fuck, this guy is weird. My note was that through their incompetence, they accidentally made a very normal restaurant scene seem like David Lynch directed it. Like, it seemed like they were, like, using <laughs> art house dream logic for the, every time they went to a goddamn fucking restaurant in this movie. Just this guy licking his lips going, like, it's my first day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more creeped out by that guy than the serial killer he's actively talking to. Yes! It, 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 it's not on purpose, and it's so <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable that I'm like... Am I watching like a deconstruction of restaurant scenes? Like, like, am I like watching a commentary on characters dining together? Dude, what the Mor- donkey fuck was that? I'm sure Morgan J. Freeman had like a really awkward restaurant interaction, like right before you know production started here. So he was just like, I gotta say something about this. I know what I'm basing this character <laughs> off of. I'm Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> the director oh my god this movie man yeah dude um last week or like while we were texting i can't remember where we brought it up but uh i mentioned that i was selecting american psycho 2 for this week and you were maybe disappointed and you're just like oh boy i'm bracing myself for you to give this movie a higher score than american psycho yes buddy you were wrong. This movie was so bad that I raised the score of the original. <laughs> it's retroactively better. <laughs> it was like, I was just like, you know, I guess it actually wasn't all that bad. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I should be grateful. I've got to practice gratitude more now that I've seen this movie. A hundred percent, dude. Like, I, I gave uh, the the first one a 15, I raised it to a 17 after watching this. I gave it a couple okay. extra points because okay. it was just like... If I, if I may give you a metaphor, these are kind of my closing thoughts on this movie. Um, I want to use the metaphor of movies being like a pizza, right? Mm-hmm. American Psycho 1 was a pizza from like a good restaurant that just didn't have any of the toppings I liked. And I was very harsh on it last week, and I kind of, I kind of overstated some things I disliked about it, and I, I was a little too harsh. At the end of the day, it was just something that was made and presented. Where, yeah, if it was a pizza, I would have just been like, I hate all of these toppings, and I'm not going to eat this. American Psycho Two is like a one dollar microwave pizza served at room temperature that someone covered in baking soda and then sprayed with Febreze. Like, <laughs> if I may make the comparison. Um, I, I think I can I can match you in kind with a pizza analogy. Oh, um, please do. Will Reno will be 
very happy with friend this. of the show will reno um <laughs> so i would say american psycho 2 is like a pizza in the sense that it is absolutely indigestible to me makes me <laughs> shit my brains out and gives me horrible heartburn and i will never stop coming back for more because that's how like what a just like diamond in the rough like what a like a marvel of suck this movie is like a a a a true achievement in subpartum like it's Mm -hmm. um, it's it's special it's special like your your quest for mediocrity led you to uncovering one of the most special movies that has ever existed damn special is a great word man uh hell yeah are you ready to get into gimmicks on this one my buddy i suppose my so. buddy my buddy my guy i combined those by accident my I suppose so. okay <laughs> i bet too. my bay all right uh denny allow me to excuse your reach for purpose um, my moment for reaching for purpose was um, in the very beginning, the first scene, I was like, ah, Friday the 13th Part 5 tried this too. <laughs> Trying to pass the Jason Voorhees germ to Tommy Jarvis. Um, mm-hmm. And it did not work. It killed the franchise, but it's not going to stop y'all from trying to pass along the Patrick Bateman germ. Uh, implying that you think what people liked about American Psycho was that there was a guy that killed people. Um, (laughs) And it's like, no! That was a social commentary and a career performance that was uh, very powerful to people. Yeah, yeah, you tried to Tommy Jarvis with Mila Kunis. You never Tommy Jarvis with Mila Kunis. It just doesn't work. Or anybody. Yeah, stay yeah. tuned for American Psycho 3, Bateman Lives. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Patrick Bateman is in this one. <laughs> uh, you get that, Chuck, if you've listened to two other episodes we've done. Yep. It completely, uh, you saying it changed on, uh, other every special time, Fridays. Every time I see the title for Friday the 13th 6, I, I just hear you saying, Jason is in this one. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to have done that. It really Even though I haven't me. actually seen that movie. <laughs> you got the main idea. Yet. 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 Oh, you will see it. I'm, I'm not going to seek it out until the next Friday the 13th. Maybe this January. <sighs> That's right. All right. Um, my favorite reach for purpose was also in the beginning scene where Mila Kunis is just like, puffing up Bateman as like a celebrity like a famous serial killer just notorious and he and she gets on the elevator going to college and she's like I hear they even wrote a book about it so in the universe of this movie the book also exists yeah so world they, building they missed the point of the book and the movie that this was a yes. sequel to, which I, I just love personally. I mean, it's like they completely misunderstood what a book and a movie are. <laughs> so it's more like they completely misunderstood the concept of adaptation in universe. I, I would... I don't read books because I'm not very good at reading books or focusing on them. Yeah. I would read the novelization of this film. Oh, God. 
cover to cover. I'd have a, like a tattered old copy on my person at all times. If, it would be an <laughs> it would be an heirloom, let's say. <laughs> Signed by Mila Kunis. Um, yeah, man. What are your? Uh, I assume you might have a few. What are your favorite lines here for American Psycho Two: colon, All American Girl? Um, you know, I already said uh, I was a really big fan of, oh, we've been planning this for months. Um, <laughs> I also liked the one-liner after she strangled a man with a very durable condom. Um, you don't even... for her pleasure. Uh, oh, my God. You I couldn't even tell it was one. a condom until after I, she did it. I thought it was a shoestring, and then she's holding a condom. I was like, wait, is that the same? Was it? Wait, was that what she used? How many condoms do you, do you think they broke before they realized you could never strangle someone with a condom and just used a shoestring and were like, but cut it together to make it look like a condom? How many condoms well, do you think had to die for that? It didn't work, and I'm guessing three. Yeah, probably so. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, oh, wait, no, I've got another runner-up just because it was so on-brand. That we need to give the people the lines in case they don't yeah. want to watch this movie, which I recommend they don't, but if they get morbid, morbidly curious, <laughs> you're going to um, have a fun time. <laughs> wait till she sees my GPA after my cousin hacks into the mainframe. Um, <laughs> I was just so amazed that they actually said hack into the mainframe in this. Um, but All right, I, uh, let, me, let me give you an audio representation of what that is uh, probably going to look like. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um but actually something I we made it. it this far without talking about is how so often um the soundtrack narrates what's happening in the movie. Like it's a song <laughs> like That's describing what's going on. Um and so my favorite line was actually a song that said very clearly is on the talk about being on the nose um bad things sad things have to happen which played a couple times when bad and sad things were in fact happening <laughs> like come on Dude, i i thought it was i'm glad i'm very glad you said that because I I noticed it without really realizing it because I thought it was just like everything in this movie is like what's wrong with 2002 <laughs> filmmaking with like a voiceover yes. telling us everything like the choppy frames to give us the illusion of like slow-mo yeah and like a score that's telling us how to feel but I, I didn't pick up on and, and like the director had this song on his iPod syndrome, where it was yeah. just like, I like this new metal song, so we're going to play it in my movie. Yeah. And I don't think it really clicked that all the songs were just like, here's what's going on in the scene. And it happened more than once. The one I mentioned was oh, just did. like the pinnacle of it. It's like literally like... Honestly, maybe the most impressive thing about the movie was that they found songs that so perfectly described what we were seeing like in words, not in emotions. Just like songs that like seemed to have a copy of the script. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we commissioned the Goo Goo Dolls for this or whatever. <laughs> Man. 
My cousin is in POD, so we're going to... Uh... <laughs> are we really going to bring up POD twice in two episodes? <laughs> yes, we are, because we feel so alive and we think we can fly. Yeah. I think that's a masterpiece conspiracy. That's oh, a song yeah. of theirs. That's a, that's a song of theirs. That's we were for... the youth that's... of the nation. <laughs> but we... Not anymore. These are references for just me. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're in deeper than I am. I only know the hits. I'm a POD candidate. Fourteen year old me is like, he said it. He said the He's song. He's so alive. We're the very first time. That song still slaps, man. I'm an all American girl. <laughs> Little Susie, she was only twelve. She was given the world with every chance to excel until one day with her babysitter, she stabbed Patrick Bateman and her career was in the shitter that's when she became a ta and found out she could uh kill it in a a bad way oh (laughs) we're not this is why we leave it to the pros um uh, did you well so did you have a favorite line said that was that was it the sad things bad things have to happen oh god (laughs) that's my favorite line using Using a Hamden fucking pop rock song and yeah. as your favorite line, I love that. Yeah. I love that about you. Thank you, sir. What, what, give, give me some, give me some standouts and a favorite, please. My, so my standouts. I already said it. It's just like encapsulates what you're getting in the whole movie. Yep, I just killed Brian. <laughs> like, yeah, we saw Mila. We know. Uh, my other one is um. This is a rare one because it's not delivered by a character. It's delivered by a sign. And the sign says, speed limit 50. And the line is delivered eight seconds after a cop says the speed limit is 35. So. (laughs) Did not catch that. It's like, she's doing 60 and a 35. We got to stop her now. And then, like, within a few seconds, they drive by a sign that says speed limit 50. You're like, okay. Also, come on! Note of that Beetlejuice. You're asking me speed limit chase scene. Do you remember how bad that car explosion looked? Like, have you ever seen worse CGI in your life? Have you ever seen anything worse? They made it on fucking kid pics. (laughs) So bad. Oh, Gary's mod fans know the exact explosion I'm talking about. (laughs) That's what they put over the car in this movie. (laughs) That is a deep ass cut i do not know what you're talking about i doubt most people do um my favorite favorite line my absolute winner gold medal goes to william shatner answering the phone the therapist calls he doesn't know who's on the other line though he just picks up the phone his name is bobby starkman and he answers the phone going Starkman. <laughs> Such a William Shatner thing to do. It's just a flirty little sing-song way to say your own last name to whoever's calling. It doesn't matter who's calling. They're getting hit with a Starkman. I totally believe he like answers his phone in real life and goes, Shatner. Go for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like, Shatner. <laughs> Hardly know her. <laughs> Uh, oh buddy <laughs> what's what's the what's your critic score greg oh my god i've been grinning ear to ear this whole time and i'm very happy we got to talk about this movie together my critic score this is a um a movie so bad that like i said i raised the score 
of the original. It just a, it's just a dumbed down slasher movie that you can turn your brain off to, but it's so effective at turning your brain off that you get bored. So I'm putting this score as the same number as Blair Witch 2 and Mac and Me, and I'm giving it a 4 out of 40. Man. Anything below a 4 just offends me with its existence, like cats, where it's just like, how many hungry kids could you have fed by not making this movie? This movie is... $10 million worth of meals! There you go. But this movie whatever i'm glad it got made it's terrible there's nothing good about it no redeeming factors i enjoy watching it for all the wrong reasons four out of 40 one out of 10 denny what's your score of this film this is um a rare occasion when i was a harsher judge than you greg um this is tied for second lowest rated movie in the history of my critiker with cats I gave this a 1 out of 50. Holy shit. Oh my god. Like, there's nothing good at all at any point in the whole movie. Never. And I and I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Um, the, only, the only lower floor for this is 2018's The Trump Prophecy. And the reason I gave that a zero is because it is not a movie. Um, it, it's, it's a, there's like 45 minutes of narrative and then like two hours of interviews about Israel. Like talking head interviews about Israel, which the movie had nothing to fucking do with. So I was like, yeah, that's a zero out of 50 for like not being a movie. Um, this... It can't get much lower than this while still being a movie. This is one of the all-time, bottom-of-the-barrel, mind-numbingly stupid movies I have ever seen in my life. Where they did literally nothing right the entire time. Not once at ever, at any point in this movie, did they do something right. Or even passable. Never. Well, Not for a single moment. Are you sure they didn't do something right by making... Mila Kunis wear a shirt that says "All American Girl." She also wore an American flag that's, shirt. That's the name. Well, yeah, it's an American flag, and the in the stripes it says "All American Girl." Oh, you couldn't see the back, um, but it actually it's, um, it, said, it said "Blue Lives Matter." Oh no, I was gonna say oh, okay. it said "Straight to DVD." <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is a very Blue Lives Matter shirt, though. Um, God. You want to just cover this one again next week? Yeah, we can just do a solo <laughs> episode about this one again. Um, we'll Greg, do a, a live live commentary. That would be fun. What's uh oh um what's what's the best movie for when uh, uh we didn't need a sequel? The best movie for when we didn't need a sequel. I want to give it to Toy Story Four. Yeah. Michael Lawson nailed it. This is the sequel we needed the least. That doesn't make this a bad movie by any means. I think it was fine. Mm -hmm. But this was the least necessary movie to ever be made. And, like, um, sequel to ever be made, for sure. Yeah. And it's just, it's wild that it was like, you know, we could say like a bunch of second movies would fit that category, but 
a fourth movie in a franchise being the least necessary in that franchise is such a hard thing to hit that I'm honestly amazed that it hit it. It just nailed it so perfectly of like movies that just like shouldn't exist. But on the other end of that argument, I'm not mad it exists. I like watching it. So that's my winner. Toy Story 4. What do you got? I, I think I got a uh, same question, same answer. I, I got to go with Toy Story 4. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, props to Michael Lawson. Uh, also, if you know Michael Lawson, like, Toy Story has a very special role in that man's life. Um, and oh, so, yeah. Like, for him to suggest it and, you know, like, recognize <laughs> it, it doesn't need to be made, uh, you know, and still like it. Mad props. Um, yeah, man. Honestly, that one kind of blew my mind. It was so much better than i thought it had any like realistic chance of being it was really good yeah thanks again for the suggestion uh that might be the best like audience pick we've ever gotten i mean they can't all in be all like honesty looking at you don <laughs> i'm just giving Don right. some shit <laughs> all right denny um I think we're about wrapping up here we are we gotta we gotta we gotta tell the people what we're doing next week yeah i was gonna i was gonna say what do we, we gotta tee the people up yeah they've got a heavy task on their hands next week greg the people have uh quite the duty what do they gotta do denny what do they gotta do for the first time in the history of movies for when this illustrious award-winning podcast award-winning podcast yes as part of our uh preemptive one-year anniversary celebration um we two weeks will, away. Two weeks away. We will be allowing, encouraging even, the audience to pick all three movies that we're doing next week. Um, it's uh, a yeah. uh, 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 dealer's choice or ladies' choice or ladies who are dealer's choice next week. Um, it, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Uh, have we nailed down any sort of criteria for how we're going to pick no. what movies go on the poll? Do you want to or just Fuck it. No. open it up? Like- I, I want I want a wide variety, but it's basically we're going to at some point this weekend um, put the prompt up on social media that just basically says pick a movie. Yeah. So this is just going to be when the audience picks a movie. Yeah. No sort of theme, no like no requirements you need to meet. Just it could be a favorite, it could be something you hate, love to hate, or just love in general. Just pick a movie any movie whatever you want to whatever you want us to talk about just uh suggest it and if you you know you want to give a little blurb about why we should pick it or why you why you suggested it to us yeah that would that would be even better so we kind of want this to be kind of like similar to the clusterfuck episode right where we just have like three wildly different movies that have nothing to do with each other so what we put on the poll might be like Maybe not all of our top picks, but just, like, a few of the um, most different picks. Yes. And then you guys will vote out of those top films which ones we actually talk about. The more variety, the better. Yeah. We also might just skip a poll if we find three that are just money. We've kind of been doing that lately. Yeah. We might just get Michael Lawson to just pick three movies. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. <sighs> another week, another podcast, Greg. Another week, another podcast. And I just gotta say, man, we've done it a million times before, and I can't 
believe I'm going to say we need another one, but Denny, please, we need yet another catchphrase. Well, I'd be happy to oblige. I burped in the middle of that. <laughs> For Greg Work, the legwork Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for When? We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? Again. <laughs> again, again, again. Because sequels. Because sequels. I'm a sequel. See my two? <laughs> <laughs>